This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. What's up, everyone? Welcome to The 20 Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Spider. Thank you, thank you. That's right. We are coming to you from Beverly Hills, California. We are at the Beat Source offices. Feeling good. Feels good to be back. Our show is brought to you by Beat Source, the music streaming service for DJs that play everything. Uh, and you know, you probably fall into that category. I know I do. Beat Source has got all the music you could need for any and every gig. We've got F- expertly, expertly curated playlists, songs that no other record pool have, custom edits, and so much more. Visit BeatSource.com for a free 30-day trial or use our code, THE20, to bump it up to a 60-day free trial. And then you can really test it out and see what you think. Uh, let me know. Send me a message on Instagram. I'm on there at DJ Spider, DJ S-P-I-D-E-R. Let me know what you think of BeatSource, of the podcast, future guests, anything you want to tell me. Just tell me, you know, your hair looks bad that day. You can tell me your problems. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for you guys. Talk to me. Um, also, please do me a favor. Make sure you rate and review this podcast. Not many of you uh, do that. When I ask you, what are you doing? Come on, right now. You're listening. Just pop in there. Give me a little ding, five star. Do a little review on Apple Podcasts. Help us go up the, the charts. We really appreciate it. Um, also, we are on all platforms. So if you're listening or you're watching, you can hear us on Spotify, on YouTube, on Google, on Apple, whatever you want. Go peep us out. Um, and now I got to tell you about our guest of the day. We have got someone who can go very deep into virtually any genre of music. Uh, she seems like, you know, if you give her, task her with uh, doing a deep dive into a genre of music, you are going to get more than you ever could have asked for uh, in a good way. Um, I guarantee you will learn something new every time you talk to her, every time you listen to her DJ. Um, she's incredible and knows so much. She's one of the top DJs for high-end special events and can be found DJing parties after every award show, movie premiere, all the coolest, ama- most amazing things in L.A., New York, and around the world, honestly. Um, some of the many companies she works for, just as an example, this doesn't even do it justice, you know, look her up, but HBO, Netflix, Disney, CFDA, LACMA, Louboutin, uh, Vanity Fair, Dolce & Gabbana, uh, the list goes on. She is an award-winning music producer as well, a curator, uh, music director, which we talk about in this episode, and a DJ, uh, first and foremost. She's performed alongside so many people. I'll list off a few. Lou Reed, Prince, Lady Gaga, Stevie Wonder, Fleetwood Mac, Common, Florence and the Machine. The list goes on and the people are legendary. In addition, uh, she has scored for the Emmy Award winning PBS show Variety Actors on Actors. Variety's Actors on Actors. She also remixed Migos for the Golden State Warriors 2018-19 opening music. Um, she has music directed L's Women in Hollywood for 10 consecutive years. Um, and she's produced a celebrated series of version edits, which are her edits, uh, what she calls her version of edits. Um, 
featuring David Bowie and Bjork. I mean, just, you know, her music taste is impeccable. It's unbelievable. She's a Toronto native. She's a mother of two, so we're both in the parent DJ life. And she allocates a large portion of her time uh, to philanthropic and social justice causes, which we talk about here as well, and uh, they're incredible. Um, she has, you know, dedicated her work, done stuff with Art of Elysium, Alliance of Moms, the XX Funds, Artivists, Into Action, and FIA, so much more. She's truly a an inspirational and talented person who could double as a music encyclopedia. So please give it up for Daisy O'Dell. We are here with the illustrious... Daisy O'Dell, make some noise. Just imagine the applause going right now. The crowd's going. We're putting it in post, so. Okay. Right. <laughs> Air horns blaring. I feel the energy. You feel it? Right now. feel it? It's Here we really, go. It's hyping me up. Building it's up. It's hyping me up. It's getting me excited. Okay, good. See, we're on the same, same level. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, really happy to have you here. Really happy to be in person. Uh, we were supposed to be together earlier this month, and... Uh, Finally got hit with COVID and we had to put this off, but uh, I'm back. I'm healthy and um, happy you're here. So yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. I'm very flattered to be asked, and I'm always excited to talk about, um, you know, my career. And yes. I'm excited to talk about music, which is my favorite subject. Yes, and I'm you, excited to talk to you, who I've known forever. That's right, exactly. Yeah, so so we've here. got many connections, a lot of mutual friends. We go way back. And um, like you said, you're excited to talk about music, and you are one of the most knowledgeable, music-loving people I think I know, even <laughs> though I know a lot of DJs. Um, you know, you're, you, you are very knowledgeable in that space. Like, you know, like to let everybody know, um, you know, well, first of all, you do now, um, as you have for a while, but now you do so many amazing events um, from you know, the movie premieres and award show after parties to just private events for the most powerful, rich, amazing human beings and so many cool things and so many meaningful things and all these initiatives you're part of. So we're going to get into all of that stuff. Um, but we met, I don't know, I want to say like 15 years ago or something. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was at the Standard Hotel in what was the Purple Lounge. I remember the night we met. Yeah. I actually considered... Uh, I considered it before I came in today because, you know, in sort of wanting to frame this com conversation, I was like, yeah. I wonder where our relationship started. And I remember the night we met and not only that, but I remember what sort of solidified our friendship. And okay. that was that I was booking at the standard. Yes. Which, uh, I don't know if you remember, we used to call it DJ Finishing School because every <laughs> DJ um, who was... Working in Los Angeles, uh, you know, at the beginning of the career or, you know, people who are sort of passing through yeah. would do uh, gigs at residencies there because it was this, right. we had this, you know, just really dense schedule we had to fill. And so we just had everyone in there right. all the time. And I remember the first night you came in, you were, you were extraordinarily talented, like your, you know, ability to mix and, you know, obviously your, uh, kind of selection was impeccable right from go. And I was like, oh, this thanks. guy's great. But I remember the song that got me and it was, um... I believe it was a hot chip song. No, Simeon Mumble Disco, I believe. You played Simeon <laughs> Mumble Disco, I believe. You were playing a hip-hop set, so like it's, you know, mid-2000s. Right. Mid 
90s, right? I think yeah. that song's like 98 BPM. And you played the that I believe, song. It was probably I Believe. I Believe. You Believe. Yeah. Yes. And I remember <laughs> you playing it. And I, I like, you know, I, we had a lot of sort of hip hop and pop and, you know, club DJs in the Purple Lounge. Right. And it was very unique and special to me that someone was integrating music sort of outside of that, uh, you know, sort of the, the limitations of what you would sort of consider right. pop. Uh, you know, or like really accessible music, someone who would kind of go left of center. And I was smitten. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I think I hired you all the time after that because it was so yeah, exciting. That's so cool to yeah. hear. That's amazing. Well, that's what you go for as a DJ. You know, like I remember coming in there and that time in my life of I wanted to mix everything together and I loved hip hop and I came from being a hip hop and probably drum and bass and kind of like, you know, dance style DJ. But um Hearing songs like that, you know, that song still has a soulfulness and funkiness, even though I don't even know what the genre would be considered, you know, but it, it mixed in. And that electro was what pop. I was. Electro pop. Electro pop. Okay. <laughs> You're very, you know all <laughs> the genres. To, like, I, mean, no. I, don't, I say that like, like it's a definitive answer. There's no, the thing about music and the thing about genres is it's, it's right. incredibly uh, incestuous and impossible to define usually. So I, yeah. but. But that you're good at you're good at classifying the stuff. I mean, I was going through some of your playlists that you did for this project that we'll discuss later. Dig that you have not put out yet, but hopefully <laughs> one day all of you out there get to see it. But just the the companion playlists that you had made with it were really cool, and it was cool for me to learn. Oh, this falls in that genre. I know it's not completely definitive, but it was cool just to see you, you know, put it in there. So so yeah, to to play an electro pop song with it and all that, and I remember. <clears throat> yeah, it was probably my first time there, and we started uh, like a Monday night, like Mad Mondays, and it was uh, Blue Gems, Rest in Peace, um, and Valida, who still, you know, doing amazing things, um, and... Was that it? I think it was DJ Hoff, maybe, or no? I don't, maybe Hoff he... was around. I feel like it's, I mean, we're talking about, you know, a decade and a half ago. I know. <laughs> and also a very uh, sort of hedonistic time in most of our lives as we were uh, yes. out in the world and yeah. living um, richly. So <laughs> yeah. I don't remember who played what night, but we really, I remember Questlove did a residency that we had, we yeah. really had like a, a sort of wealth of talent, um, you know, various Right. Stages in their career coming and gracing us with their presence. I mean. Right. And you were booking a, people. I mean, you I was, were I was connected to so many amazing people, also had great taste. So the, you know, the DJs you had in there were amazing. And I remember, too, that night. I don't remember when we had this conversation, but <clears throat> talking to you later. And this was the beginning of Serato. You know, we're playing on, mm -hmm. I want to say. There was like an Allen and Heath mixer there. There was an Allen and Heath. Rotary. And I remember it was a rotary mixer. And the reason we had it is because my um, the person who I inherited the job from was right. Diallo Riddle. Have you had him on? He's Diallo's my Diallo. dude. No, no, he, he needs to come on. I was talking to him uh, yesterday and the day before because they're trying to do um, the rap party for his show, uh, Sherman's Showcase tonight. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to, you know, link him up to say do it here at the friend you know or something with mike b um so i don't know what happened but he's the best i, I love mean, him so yeah. much him and, and his, i want to have him on him and his wonderful wife are, are very good friends and i i nice. love them both deeply and so um but yeah he was responsible for that rotary mixer which is ironic now because we were just talking about sort of analog you know i was saying that i was hired to do a vegas residency all vinyl yeah and uh you know the sort of the rotary mixer, like the history of the rotary mixer, right? Uh, you know, it 
is making this big comeback. And I played in Mexico City in late December and I showed up to the venue and it was all vinyl with Rotary Mixer and James Murphy's place at Night Moves in New York where I play uh, when I'm in New York. Also all vinyl, Rotary Mixer, which I don't know if you understand sort of the, the mechanics of that. Right. But you have your rec, you know, you have two hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have your record, you're sort of cueing it and then you have to, you know, break, you have to basically match and then bring in and out simultaneously as opposed to when you have a, what is it, a slider? Is that what it is? The crossfader. Crossfader, crossfader. Yeah, <laughs> where, you, where you, you know, could kind of do that mechanism like with one right. hand. It is, it is, uni- just big it is, volume faders, it is right. uniquely challenging. Yes. Because you can't do the record and the rotary and you, you know, and I'm, I, I'm getting better at it and I've learned some techniques right. from people because I, the first night I played on it, I was mortified because I was like, oh my God, this really is, you know, yeah. humbling. It goes better with with <laughs> mixes types of music that have long mixes or you or if know you're not trying house to be, if you're disco. not trying to beat match if you're not if the precision right. thing is where it's challenging if you're mixing records and you're just playing you know cool records into each other rotary mix all you want but if you're right. actually trying to beat match any genre yeah it, you know you have to have like you have to have the capability to sort of adjust the music is needed right? Um, with vinyl. And so you're sort of doing one hand and doing this and bring the other one in. It's, it's really, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've gotten in arguments with DJs. I'm not, I don't prefer it, you know, but I understand <laughs> uh, people do. And sonically, most of the time they have the best sound, I guess. It's in vogue. I mean, I talked to James about his uh, setup and he really has, limited DJs like there's no he doesn't have the capacity for you to play digital music you right. cannot play digital music at his venue there's no way to plug in it like you can't there's right. no he's not giving you a CDJ you're playing vinyl yeah you're not playing Serato there's no Serato plug-in there's just his rotary mixer and his turntables right and you know I think that's I think that's really you know respectable to yeah. sort of create those parameters and you know make the venue that you want but I you know, it is, there are people, and we talk about our, um, you know, preferred formats, right? Yeah. Like, our, we and I have the same preferred format. We like the S9. We like that. Or you maybe are on the 11. I like now. the S11, but yeah. S9, but, either you know, one. S9 or give 11. Me, give me one or the other. And CDJs, usually, yeah. unless we're doing, you know, which, again. I've you seen you do. make the, I mean, you know, you're from the vinyl days. Like you I said, am. you have a vinyl residency <laughs> in Vegas now. But I have seen you make the switch to CDJs I, recently. Yeah, I did. I did. I don't know why I did. I think it was, uh, I was touring in Europe and, you know, everything is CDJs in Europe. And, yeah. And I think I just sort of made that move. And then when I did, and I realized, like, how much fun I could have with music in terms of, like, yeah. looping and just doing different sort of, um, you know, effects. There were, there were things that I felt like I was liberated to play right. more, like, uh, you know, sort of have more fun within my yeah. sets. And so I did that. And also I was never, you know, turntablism, I would never define myself as a turntablist. Right. You know what I mean? I'm technically proficient. Yeah. But I think there's people that are, you know, extraordinary and need turntables and use them as an instrument. I never use them as an instrument. I use them to mix my records. Yeah. But I was never, you know, I'm not shorty who's, I mean. Oh, yeah. She's she's incredible. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean, but there's still an element of being comfortable, especially someone that has a big vinyl collection and plays on there. But same, I've I've gotten comfortable with CDJs, and I like both. You know, it depends where I am. But um, and the whole HID mode thing is nice. I do HID. And like, I don't have to deal with plugging in everything in. I'm just like, boom, my cue points are on there. And once you get used to the three thousands too, it's pretty nice. Like you have all eight cue points on the thing. There's something about dropping 
it on the one, which is like easier. I don't know why with the platter of the 3000, which is the I most know, simple you're really, thing. You're really encouraging me to, <laughs> to be more open-minded about this, but I will say yeah, I'm not the only, here, you can I'm not the only DJ who's resistant. No, I know. It's, I a, know. Sh- it's a change. And yeah. I feel like all changes, you know, we have totally. a, we have a colleague who uh, took a long time to move to Serato. Yes. DJ. I know who you're talking about. I know you know who she I'm was a about. guest on it the was, show. It was, a, it took a long time um, because there's this, you know, reluctance right? Yeah. To try something new if what you have works for you. But with totally. technology, when you're talking about technology, you're, you know, oftentimes you're forced into it because, you know, things are yeah. constantly evolving. Right. And I it's mean, the hard. pandemic was yeah. the perfect example of everybody getting on Twitch and doing live streams and creating, you know, the, the project you did that we'll talk about and um, all <laughs> that kind of stuff. teasing it like it's <laughs> well, a big thing. You're gonna make well, we'll really get into it because I know <laughs> there's a lot to talk about with it. So I feel like let's uh, wait, you know, we'll get there in a little bit. Um, but it was very interesting and you guys, I think would enjoy it. Um, I, like I, the craft work one, I sent, uh, the link of the playlist to my friend cause he's a huge craft work fan. I was like, you got to check this out. It's every, that I will say there's a, just to offer some clarity for people who are like, what is he talking about? Um, I did a playlist on Spotify of every song that is available on Spotify. And this includes every single one. And I'd like to challenge anyone to find one that I missed because I would actually love to include literally everyone. Um, every single song that had a craft work sample. It was, that was available on Spotify. Every I was surprised. I was song. going through like, what? I haven't even got through the whole playlist, but I was yeah. like, damn, I didn't know that. It's comprehensive. You had like I, yeah. obscure, like Dudley Perkins and like, you know, underground hip hop and all kinds of stuff on there. So. I did my due diligence. Yeah. I mean, was, that's, I would never classify myself as a music authority. I'm a music obsessive. Like I get obsessed with right. understanding sort of history and context and, you know, and particularly in the world of sampling, like it is just interesting and sort of all yeah. so much seeded from Kraftwerk. They're such an, you know, essential band it's as amazing. far as like the history of music is concerned and all the things that kind of spun out from their, yeah. um, you know, creativity and originality and also sort of the birth of, of the synthesizers, yeah. you know, this like modern pop tool. So. Totally. No, I mean, and and I agree, and we'll, so we'll we'll get to that in a bit. But what I didn't get to fully say was when I did meet you at the Standard, you know, the beginning of Serato. Um, I remember meeting you as well and playing that night, and also um, we were in that transitional time. And you were telling me how you did the bookings there. You also, I think, did the playlists or the music for the hotel or the ho- or other hotels, and you had like a four terabyte drive or some at the time seemed like an insane, huge hard drive filled with all this music, you know, on MP3, which at the time it was hard. I'm, I was recording my vinyl in one by one to get it in. And you're like, I have all this. And you were so knowledgeable about music. It was crazy. Like you knew everything and every genre and so many artists. And I just remember talking to you that night and I was like, wow, who is this person? You know, like this is nuts. So um, you know, it's cool that we've gone from that to what's happening now. And I think that, like you said, being a music obsessive, um, who's really an authority. And that's kind of what I say to people. Even I was helping someone negotiate like the money for a gig, like a younger DJ that, you know, she was like, I don't know what to say. They're asking me my rate. And so like, I was like, here's something you can take and like remix, you know, but here's the wording. But I was like, just remember, nobody knows anything. No one's a full-on authority. Like, they may say they are, but you know just as much as this person. Just be confident, write this back, and just go for it because, you know, you may feel intimidated now. So I think 
I'm constantly learning from my gigs. I mean, this gig I did Sunday in Vegas, you know, I've played in Vegas 5 million times. Everyone's like, you got this, you know, you'll be fine. But I went crazy and obsessed over the music beforehand. I wanted to get all the right big room songs. And a lot of that stuff is cheesy to me. And I wanted to have stuff that was not cheesy to me and still was cool and funky, even though it matched the room I was in. Um, and some of my friends are like, you're crazy, you know, but I'm like, and it paid off. I had a great gig. And I think that a lot of the gigs we do, it pays off to be music obsessive. Um, so I think that's why you are where you are today, you know, and, and why people call on you for those gigs. I mean, like, I want to go through a lot of the cool things you do, but just the, those, um, the movie gigs you do, Cinespia, how do you say it? <laughs> Cinespia. Cinespia, that's what I thought. I was yeah, like, that's what, have you done a Cinespia? No. I've, it's it's really, it's one of my favorite places to play. And, you know, the residents, so cool. like if you look at how sort of illustrious the residents are, it's Questlove does it all the time and Cut Chemist does it all the time. And, yeah. you know, they hire, um, they, they keep their pool small right. because those of us that get, uh, Miles Hendrick on a cauldron, those right. of us that get the opportunity to do it, love it so much because it really is a unique space as far as a DJ goes where, yeah. you know, your set is informed by a film. So, yeah, you best. know, you have sort of all these different lenses with which to view your music. Like you can say, okay, it's, you know, I'm doing Goonies or whatever. So then right. you're looking at the year, you're looking at the, you know, is it, are we going to do stuff about friendship, about childhood, about like pirates, about, you know, you can yeah. kind of, you can really sort of, you know, explore that side of yourself, which, you know, so often in jobs, like I'm doing my first big room post Omicron next Friday, I'm doing Valhalla. Oh, cool. <laughs> which is, um, I mean, it's not huge. It's like a 2,000 person dance floor, but it is a tough, it is a dance Where floor. Where is it? In New York? Uh, no, it's a, it's like a WeHo. It's like a oh, queer, okay. like nice. real, oh, like you go there and it's just 2,000 like naked men writhing around. And, Sounds fun. Um, but it's very <laughs> colorful. Like they have, you know, the dancers and the whole thing, yeah. but the dancers are, and they, you know, they have people who sort of MC and they have, they are, they are tough. Like wow. you have to show up and bring it and, yeah. you know. And so I'm like, okay, it's my first big room set headlining <laughs> uh, post-Omicron. And like you, I'm going to have to go and do all the research because yeah. I'm like, what is the, what, what did, you know, right. give me the, give me the like 120 BPM Megan, yeah, totally. you know, remix, Meg the Stallion remixes, I need all this stuff. But um, yeah, the thing about playing a gig like Synespia is you're not uh, confined to a dance floor. Right. So like when you DJ, right, even when I do, uh, I get hired like you do, you and I actually check a lot of the same boxes for events. Yeah. I think there's a very short list of people who are considered for, you know, the types of things that we do in right. the, you know, sort of top level event space, like the Globes and the Emmys and the yeah. Oscars and all that. But uh, for the premieres, I'll often get jobs because I'm doing one for HBO, for instance, in two weeks. You just, I think you just did one, but I'm doing one uh, in two weeks called Minx, where uh, the show is 70s, so it's period. Yeah. And it's about the first, um, gosh, how do I explain this? The first magazine for women. So like the first, not the first magazine, for the first, I'm trying to think of what the actual term is, but like pornographic magazine for women, oh, I think okay. is probably what I'm saying. Like, like what everyone would say, <laughs> Playgirl like play, or like something. Play, that was yes. like the go-to So one. it's like the Playgirl, it's like the Playgirl show. Pornograph, pornograph, I'm going to say pornographic. Right. Uh, that's the word. So anyway... So they hired me and they said, you know, we want you to open. We want people to come out of the screening and feel like they're being transported to this era. And I was like, no problem. We're just going to pay Betty Davis. She just died. We have, I've got the whole list of, you know, Irma Frank, like all those people. I, it's, I love that era. It's great. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun. 
And then at some point you transition into a party. So having the ability to do both, I think is essential. But the nice thing about Tenespi is you don't have to make that transition. You can just right. live fully in the, in the world that you create. And yeah. that's so fun and liberating and, and a, just a different way of DJing. People do dance. You will kind of build it and right. have fun. But, you know, I you love know, those 90s In ones. a way you're yeah. scoring, you're live music supervising, you know, the night before the actual movie starts in a way. You Absolutely know, like, you are. That's, I think it's a beautiful way of articulating it. Yeah, and I, you're like setting yeah. that mood. And that, that was the drive-in events that I got hired for last year were – so much fun, you know, and when I heard people saying like, oh, I can't wait, you know, till I don't have to do this kind of stuff or these suck. I'm like, damn, am I weird? Because these are so much fun to me, yeah, like to be yeah. able to, you know, like you said, like one was around, they wanted all 2010s music, you know, or whatever that is. But it was so fun to dig within those years and those genres or to do the This Is Us one or to do the... And I don't have to make them dance. I'm just there to entertain, set the mood, do this one-hour set that's exactly how I envisioned it, and then I can present it to them. And um, and then being able to do – I've done other gigs like that too where it had to be, okay, for a night between 83 to 85, and then I get to research all the music. And, um, and as we do, like we said, we both do a lot of Sundance Film Festival parties. And so many. those yeah. are fun to talk to the director or the producer or the actor or whoever your contact is and then have them say, this is the kind of movie, this is the what we want to, you know, go for. Or we don't want any of the stuff from the movie, we just want to party, you know, whatever they say. But I love getting those kind of jobs because I learn so much from it, you know. Well, I, I mean, you talk about, you know, music knowledge, right? Like, yeah curating a set like if somebody gives me you know something that if they're like yeah. this one song they're like i here's you know one this the director likes this one song i'm like okay so <laughs> yeah. who are the contemporaries what labels it on with right you know like i i love those opportunities because that really is my favorite way to spend a day to think about music and like you i did all of i did so many drive-ins last year yeah 20 20 2021 <laughs> 2020 2021 I don't know it's like it's all been a blur but I think um, it was last year and, I don't know. you know I actually took them very seriously because yeah, I me felt too. like someone's going to be in their car hearing this on radio They're and obviously I'm mixing more. Yeah, yeah I'm going to mix live but I want my mix I want my precision I want my yeah. I want it thoughtful Same. I want the I journey was practicing and no, in right? key and like way more than I would for the dancing I, I mean I got a big one I got one that I was which was David Byrne American Utopia and I'm oh, obviously yeah. a huge Talking Heads fan and he huge fan of his and so it yes. felt for me that was that was intimidating but also so inspiring and yeah. I was really so actually I should share that side I never shared it and I made edits of every single song I played oh I literally God. went it like that's what I do I make you know because I, I wanted to move in and out quickly and I wanted them to sort of break where I wanted to and they were all live drums and I was like right okay well I'm gonna quantize I'm just gonna quantize and chase natures because you want the live drums you want it to feel yeah a certain kind of way and so I was like I worked so hard for like a week I was like this is you know, yeah. and I remember it like I, w I should share that side. I recorded it. Yeah, you definitely I should. I recorded it when I was rehearsing it. And then oh, I had really? it like with me in case anything happened. Like I was so nervous. Right. That, oh, my God. Same. I was yeah. in the same thing. because <laughs> It was like my only gigs, too. And I'm like, I don't want to mess this up. And you don't know who's going to be know, there. And I want it like, to be good. And I have nothing else to do. So I'll prepare for a week straight on this. You well, know? my first one back was what we did in the, what we do in the shadows. Is it what we, is it what we do? In the I don't know. I don't I know. It's what we do in the shadows. It's goth, right? It's okay. vampires and comedy and amazing. Right. Um, so for me, again, I'm the perfect candidate. Because yes, I'm like, you are. ooh, okay. This is, <laughs> we're just going to play some. You know, yeah. 
like my favorite. I mean, you're so good, you <laughs> know, at like Bauhaus. Yeah, be like awesome. you're like the perfect <laughs> package too because you know all the music. You're good at DJing, but you also will dress up. You're very into fashion, <laughs> like you know. I think fashion no, is a massive. What? Come on, <laughs> uh, me. But and so you always know like the perfect. Not just outfit, like look for every single, you know, you'll do your makeup and hair and like it's, it always goes with it. Um, you know, I'm jealous. I wish I could do that. I, uh, you, but I feel all, like I'd look like a crazy person if I come in stopping like, you? I'm a vampire. What's I don't know. There's something you? weird if I do it for some no. reason. I feel like it's interesting. We talk a lot about, you know, DJing, right? And yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, there's some stereotypes about you know of certain course. type of people, yeah. certain pe- types of people who get opportunities because of how they look, or yes. you know people who maybe aren't qualified, and you know, they, and I don't want to like, uh, I don't want to talk about that necessarily because I think it, it it's touchy and I think it will antagonize people. And right. uh, but I will say that there is, you know, there's this thing about being performative, right? Like where you are uh, on. A stage generally right. sometimes you're in the corner in the dark it's true uh, but usually you're you know pretty prominently featured i mean at, at those an event. drive-in events we were literally we were on a stage yeah. in front of a <laughs> massive movie screen being broadcast onto the movie screen yes. you know vlats actually uh you, he doesn't have a uh, microphone you guys you're listening but vlats <laughs> is here with us and he filmed it but he came to a couple of my Events and uh, ate the food, hung with his wife, and uh, there was good food. <laughs> yeah, but but he saw food. it. I mean, it was you're on a big screen, so if you do not like being the center of attention, you better get ready. And you have to be on the mic and announce. I mean, I had to announce where the bathrooms were. Okay, so talk about being awkward. You better be prepared to announce where the bathrooms are while still trying to have the self confidence to feel very cool about what you're doing. Somehow I did it, but turn, I, on, turn on your hazards if you're having to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, flash your. Li- we're gonna have to stop honking now, but uh, flash your lights if you're feeling good. I literally was shouting out dogs because so many people had dogs in their car. I'm like. <laughs> Put your dogs in the air. Like, I don't, you know, I just had to, I don't know, release all self uh, con- consciousness and doubt and just go, let's just, well, see, we're all humans here. You have a, you have a wonderful, big, vivacious, boisterous personality. Part of the reason why you're, you're hosting the show is that you're, <laughs> you know, you're, you have tons of charisma. You are comfortable in the mic. You're easy to talk to. Someone like me. I am like very nerdy and very quiet <laughs> and very self-conscious. And I, you know, part of the reason I, not part of the reason I got into DJing, but one of the appeal, appeals of DJing is I get to be out and I get to be in the center of the, you know, action, but I don't actually have to engage with anyone. Same. I, that was you know, my people initial. Always like, when I show up at clubs, people are like, do you want a mic? And I'm like, no. Yeah. I never <laughs> wanted a mic. I agree I with you. I need to Most focus of us, on this. We you like have, dark you, and yeah. little buttons and I, nerdy things and, you know, being alone. Yeah. And so that was I the, agree. the first one of those I did. I, of all the things, the talking on the mic and being, I know. you know, and I remember Michelle, I went and saw another DJ yeah. who did the one before me. And the book person who booked us, the same person who booked us, called me um, the next day and said, you saw the show. And I said, oh, yeah, I saw the show. It's great. It's great. She said, bigger. They want <laughs> you to be bigger. And I had watched it and felt like he was pretty big. Yeah. And I was like, bigger? Like, what? <laughs> like what? She, she says, they just want you to talk more. They want you to talk over the whole thing. They just want you to talk and be engaging and fun and maybe do some trivia. And I was like... Oh my God. Okay. Oh, like, I, I had to like, do the trivia. I know. I felt like I felt like it was a, it was a that. big ask because it was you really were, you know, 
people, I don't think people understand that DJing in and of itself is kind of a lot of work. You have to think about a lot of things yeah. simultaneously. Right. You're, you know, thinking about your next song, you're bringing your mixes, you're bringing sing- songs in, you have some, one in your ear and yes. one in the room and, you know, and you're just kind of like that in and of itself is sufficient as far as a workload. And yeah. then to sort of partner that with, uh, you know, the expectation that you're hosting the night. Yeah. I know that there's DJs who do it and those DJs are amazing. And, you know, and sometimes they're very, very talented and sometimes they're not really DJing. And right. b- both those things are true. And yes. right. Um, but I think that an MC, a really, really strong MC coupled with a really, really good DJ, I really think those are two distinct jobs. And I'm not saying I you agree. can't do both, but I think it's ex- extremely rare for someone to do both. Well. Yeah. No, you're, Just you're thinking opinion. like so yeah. much. It's so true. And, and, Funny enough, Twitch got me ready to talk on the mic at those drive-in things. Like, obviously, other things did. You know, when, like, I went on tour with Blink-182 was definitely a big shock to the system of needing to use the mic because I'd been on the mic before, but not where it's just a an arena of people staring at you, basically wondering what to do, you know? And they're <laughs> like, I don't know what to do, you know? So I had to, like, make things up. But But being on Twitch and being able to just... I guess be really self-conscious for the first few weeks or first sessions on Twitch and thinking about like everybody's, you know, people are making comments about how long my fingers are. And I'm like, I didn't know people were even looking, you know, it's like, it got very crazy. And I was thinking about what I said and what I did to the point where then I was able to drop it all and go, who cares? You know, like I'm alive, like whatever. And so when I did that, I almost had that power in my back pocket of like, I don't even care. I mean, I'm just going to make a joke of this in my head because how serious can this be? Even if I look completely stupid, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'm not going to die. You know, we're made it through COVID this far, whatever. I'm just going to, you know, so I just uh, went with it, but it was like Twitch helped me just go, I'm just going to do the trivia and announce the porta pot or the bathroom or whatever. (laughs) And just realize I look stupid and also cool at the same time. And I'm doing it. But yeah, so that was, um, you know, our, our summer of drive-in things. I really, I just want to say, I really admire, we talked a a little earlier before we started recording about the pivots people made over COVID. Yeah. And I really admire how you pivoted, how, you know, the people who sort of really leaned into the opportunities that were there, like the Twitch opportunities and, you know, thrive. Like you talk about the Bellas, you talk about Angie, my God, look at Angie, right? Amazing. Yeah. Um, so I feel like to me, it was an, it was really admirable that people adapted in the way that they did. Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of us, no, not a lot of us, universally true, all of us yeah. lost, our industry was decimated. Yeah, everyone. It went from, from top to bottom. It yeah. just vanished overnight. Um, so I will say, although it wasn't a path that I took, I found it yeah. uncomfortable. Personally, uncomfortable. I did it a couple of times and I was like, this is not, because I actually felt the um, sort of emotional, uh, I felt the emotional loss of being in a room. Like to me, it right. felt I felt like it acutely. I was like, "Oh, this is not what I love. What yeah. I love is the reciprocal. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Back and forth. Of, yeah, you know, I love playing music for people and them responding and us sort of sharing that moment. And to me, it felt um, almost kind of like the antithesis of that. I felt my isolation more pronounced. Yeah, but I will say, I really admire the people that went on Twitch. And I and yeah, and I'm glad you guys have all done so well because I think I yeah. think it's great. Well, the thing that you did, I mean, I have other things I want to talk about, but we might as well talk about it. But I think everybody pivoted into the things they felt comfortable with, you know, and then I was able to work on this podcast more and do Twitch and and do other projects and things I wanted to do. Um, But you sent me a link, a private link, you know, like you said, people may never see this, um, to something called Dig, which essentially was a 
I mean, almost a documentary television series that you put together um, of doing deep dive digs, uh, you know, DJs (laughs) dig, dig for music into genres of music. But um, it was visually and, um, you know, odd. It was like, you know, it was artistic, like the visual part of it. I mean, it's like... The website alone looks really cool. The way that you put together the, um, you know, the visual, the video part of it was really cool. But did you find it informative? And I found it extremely informative <laughs> and educational. <laughs> Were you too distracted yeah. by, by the cacophony? No, no, no. It was cool. I mean, it was different. I guess multimedia. <laughs> you're used to hearing the narrator and not seeing them, you know. But I mm. thought the way you did it with the pop-up screens was cool. Um, but it was. Really cool to learn about, you know, no wave music you did. You know, you did um, the Kraftwerk sample one. You did, uh, what were some of the other ones? Oh, the the Japanese city pop. Japanese city pop. What is that? So I've never heard of Japanese city pop, but um, I had just found this song. So have you heard the new Weekend album? Yes, of course. And did you hear, what's the song? Out of Time, maybe? Um, There's definitely some references to, to I mean, Japanese city pop is essentially easy listening in in Japanese. It's a very specific sort of period. But I had just heard the song Out of Time and then that it was a complete sample from this jacket. You you know what song it is? So does that, it's a, it's, (laughs) what is it? I wrote it down, Tomoko Aran, Midnight Pretenders. So look that up. It's um, identical, like they just looped it. I mean, and then The weekend sang over it instead of the Japanese Well, when Entrix Point Never, I believe, was the person who produced the album. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as far as, like, production and, and sort of musical acumen, he is yeah. t- top of the game. The album is crazy. So yeah. Good. But I didn't so know good. if that... I had just heard that song. Then I hear your Japanese city pop breakdown of the type of music and where it comes from. Because I was so surprised that song was from 1982. And I'm like, it sounds current now. Um and then I didn't know if that fell into the Japanese city pop uh, genre or not, you know, the the one that he sampled. But I thought that was so interesting, so I learned a lot about that. And then I saw the other ones you had coming up, and I think I watched, like, four of them. But, um, yeah, I did. They're just um, – yeah. it kind of – so I can give you some backstory. So okay. COVID. COVID, heard of it. Insomnia. Yes. <laughs> um, insomnia, doom scrolling. I needed to sort of – Right. Uh, we were all there. I needed to sort of transition out of a very dark place yeah. um, where I just was, uh, you know, really kind of overwhelmed with the weight of what was happening yeah. in the world at large. And I said, I need to, you know, use my mental acumen for something more productive because right now it, it's, you know, I'm squandering it. Like I'm just right. literally lying about it at 3 I'm like reading art, reading like the COVID numbers and, yes. you know, and trying to, Same. you know, understand like what is happening in the world. Right. And so I, um, you know, have always, as you mentioned earlier, been really obsessed with music and, um, you know, fascinated by sort of the chronological um, timeline and by how things intersect and influencers and, you know, sort of understanding where things fit in this puzzle. Yeah. And I said, wouldn't it be interesting if I sort of explored that? And I really just started writing and what was born out of that was this exploration of microgenre, right? Yeah. Um, and again, it's really hard to sort of define these. Um, and it's one of those things that is constantly evolving and it's also extremely subjective. Right. But I like that sub- subjectivity because that means it's my lens. 
This right. is what I think micro genre is. And again, I wasn't trying to position myself as music authority, but I felt like, okay, if we're coming out of COVID and potentially not going to work as DJs ever again, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, we'll see what happens. Um, I should, you know, I spent all this time amassing this knowledge. Like, I should sort of package it and present it in a way that I could share with people. Uh, you know, as opposed to just being like, hey, I, nice to meet you. My name's Daisy. I know lots right. about music. I was like, here's like a, you know, yeah. sort of uh, receipts. And so. Receipts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this um, could be a show on Apple Music well, or something, you know. Yeah, like, maybe I'll send it. I don't know. It, start, it started as this thing and then it sort of. You've never pitched it to anybody, that no. site? Oh, my God. It's really yeah. good. You should. I, it was like a thing that I did. And I brought some friends in to help me at some point because right. I felt like uh, it kind of grew beyond. Like yeah, the initial thing production. was I was, I was writing. I, I mean, I did it all. Like, I, you know, I had a green screen in my house for those twitches right. I never actually executed. <laughs> and I had, like, you know, I just kind of recorded it. And then I said, oh, it's cool if I sort of dress period because then there can also be this sort of, yeah. you know, um, historical hair and makeup. And that stuff interests me as well. I love the fashion. I love looking at – I love looking at everything contextually. I love putting it all together. And then – it really was kind of arbitrary. I did like No Wave. I did Manchester. I did Japanese City Pop. I did The Birth of Rock and Roll, where I you know credit Rosetta Tharp as being oh, yeah. the founder of rock and roll. That was cool. Um, and I did you know my big one, and I did Japanese City Pop. And my big one was um, Tropicalia, yeah. where I really I, that, that was, was the long the twelve minutes. Yeah, yeah, that was I, I. Yeah, I think we, I think I clocked in ten minutes, but it was kind of one of those things where every single thing you see, and it is it is. Uh, very overwhelming and, and probably overstimulating for most people. Um, it is just full of ripped. I ripped everything. I, you know, took every song. I did all the music edits. I got every photo. I just, everything is completely stolen. Like I could never post this. I would be taken down in a second because I just took whatever I wanted and it became this sort of fantasy project where I was like, if I could do anything, right. what would That's I do? What documentaries are and then they go and license the stuff and all that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I also, you know, and I also can't take credit. Like I didn't do the research. I read all these articles and I read all these, you know, I had so much access because I had the entire internet. So yeah. when I was doing... You know, Tropicalia, I like read books on the subject. I read, I just spent, you know, like a month like learning everything I could about Tropicalia. And then I sort of like, you know, just uh, put it all together and tried to make it, you know, it was limited as far as time, but like comprehensive. So people yeah. understood sort of what the genre was, what it's born out of. And then, you know, right. sort of it, it's, I think that in particular to me felt like a very specific sort of time period because it really was just a year yeah. where, you know, it, it sort of started and, burned brightly and then was suppressed by the military regime. So it's, you know, had this very sort of limited time frame where I was like, okay, well I can tell this story yeah. precisely. Um, yeah. No, so interesting. And yeah. then to have the playlist as a companion to go along with it was really cool because then I can go through it after. And I even found, I was like, what is like one of the songs on that Brazilian playlist? I'm like, I know this. And then I figured out it was like an Amory song or something that she had sampled. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I felt like the music, the playlists were probably one of the most essential parts because it's, yeah. you know, when people are learning about music, I think hearing the music is, you know, one. I mean, for me personally, like I, you know, we talk a lot about how we discover music, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. you, we were talking earlier and obviously this can tie into our sponsor. <laughs> Beat source. Beat source. Log and on now yeah. for your free trial. <laughs> and you have, you know, you have playlists, and you have, you know, people who are sort of the gatekeepers for new music and curate it. And you know, yeah. back before the internet, that that was people who worked at record stores. Yeah. There'd be this. There'd be this sort of very limited. Uh, you know, there'd be like the labels. There'd be the bands that would get signed, and then they'd be sort of, you know, into the into the sort of 
places that people purchase music and there was MTV and there was, you know, and yeah. you, would, you would have access to music. And right now you have access to everything. Right. Like everything is out there, but we've lost some of that curation. Yeah. And we've true. lost some of the gatekeeping. So, you know, it in one way it's really cool because you can hear something and be like, I love it, but you have no context. Yeah. You don't know if this song came out, like you said, in, in 2022 or 1983. Yeah. And maybe you wouldn't unless somebody shares, you know, a little right. more information. So yeah. I think it's interesting to... You know, I think it's it's interesting that we no longer have that, you know, but I, I do think I feel it's loss. Like, I think it's really valuable for us to understand sort of where music fits in this timeline as well. Yeah, and it does help to have people you trust within those worlds and really not to be completely self-promo beat source, but I do think that that's something cool that beat source does, that DJ City's done as a record pool, but now that they've advanced into being you know beat source and they're an actual dsp and stream and you know pay the artists and all that stuff they have people that are experts in the genres and so like afro beats is a genre i absolutely love i love djing i love listening to but i'm not i haven't I'm not as good at doing the research and all the different things. I'm still learning. And, you know, the people they have, D. James, and the people they have making the playlists are incredible. And that's all they do. So it's nice. It's like going to the record store and going shopping, but keeping my eye on the person at the front and seeing what they're listening to and what they're stacking away. That was my way of doing. So now I can go to these playlists and see, okay, they're doing that. And I'll pick the... 20% or 50% that I like out of the playlist and then make my own thing. And cause everyone's unique, how they hear things no, and I, how they want to present agree with it. You more. So. I rely heavily on the experts. Yeah. I, you know, cause there's genres, obviously there are things that, you know, I gravitate towards just in personal taste and yeah. we all have that. And that's part of the reason that we work is because you have to have a foundation that you build off and we're all unique in that foundation. Yes. Uh, as far as our you know, mu musical taste. But yeah. I rely so heavily on people who, you know, uh, particularly like, for instance, this set I'm playing next week, like the pop space. Yeah. Like I'm going to go look at the charts. I'm going to look at what other DJs are downloading. Right. I'm going to, you know, look at who's playing what, where I'm going to watch stories and be like, Oh, I saw spider play. It was playing in Vegas. Yeah. And this was this big moment. He played the song, you know, cause it's right. really essential that we, um, you know, lean on each other because it's not a, you know, DJing is not a solo sport. That's yeah. what, that's the other thing with Twitch where it became, if I felt very much like a solo sport. DJing is, is reciprocal. You're there and you have a crowd and it's, you know, this sort of give yeah. and take and, you know, and so to sort of receive the information from them in the moment about what they're like and, you know, ad adapt accordingly, I think right. is really essential. But like prior to that, walking into the room with, you know, your arsenal, yeah. <laughs> of, you know, having having the ability now to be part of a community that can sort of help shape and guide you. It's not going to help you in the moment because if you're, you know, not playing well, it's it'll fall flat. But you, know, right. you definitely need to have that sort of pool to pull from. Yeah. So. No, I love listening to other DJs. Yeah. I know sometimes people are like, oh, you got to have your own thing but even you will have your own thing. i went There's to no vegas the night you're not early show up and play exactly yeah. the same thing you play even if right. i had the, we could have the same five songs and our sets would be completely different yeah like there's just no universe that two people are going to play exactly right. the same set it just i agree that's happen. why i'm happy to share my mixes share playlists share music with people and you know and, and that's even what i was telling someone a couple of days ago the same person you know was helping with the negotiation like you're one of a kind. You have to realize that going into this, no matter what, you know, like all of you are as much as you think, oh, I can do what they do. You know, we're all one of a kind 
in certain ways, you know, and you're going <laughs> to, that's going to come out in your DJ sets. You just have to trust yourself, you know, and then keep, keep pushing with it. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, and that's why you get hired for so many events because you're one of a kind, um, yeah. like, you know, I was lo looking through, I mean, we can't even list all the events that you've done for people cause we would be here all day. But, um, like we mentioned, like you do stuff for HBO and Netflix and Disney and um, fashion things, LACMA, Louboutin, Vanity Fair. I was trying to write stuff down, even though I know a lot of your stuff. Um, Dolce Gabbana. You know, you you do so many high end um, events, um, and I I noticed that you know I think a lot of our events got kind of knocked down, killed in January, but it seems like February's been coming back, and you seem like you've been working. I, I mean, Super Bowl weekend, I played three sets. Last weekend, I played six. Amazing. Six I love sets. To hear I didn't that. mean to play six sets. And that's I in LA, yes right? To, I was in LA. I said yes <laughs> to great. everything, thinking because I came off this month where I worked, I didn't work in January. I don't think yeah. any of us did. I played New Year's Eve. Um, I did Soho Warehouse with the misshapes. Nice. Oh, cool. Some of the drag race people. It was a fun party. Nice. Um, and then I, in January, it was like, yeah, I had I watched, only I just club watched everything I watched everything cancel. I was like, yeah, ready for the too. Golden Globes, canceled. Grammys, canceled. Sundance, yeah. canceled. And so I was feeling very, you know, I understood because it's this, you know, COVID stuff is secular. And, like, we have been on this cycle now a few yeah. times. And there's no, surges. it was easier to handle, for sure. I was like, really? Canceled? Well, I that had sucks. it. Right. I, ha I didn't have it. And then I ha you had it, too. And right. I got it in December. The week I got it, I played New York. I played Mexico City. I was, like, ar I was like around. And my yeah. phone kept going off with those alerts like the close contact right. alerts okay. where it's like you someone you were close to is that's oh a positive like over and over again and i remember i did my last gig um which was actually Senespia, eyes wide shut and um i woke up the next day it was the sunday before uh christmas and i was like i'm not feeling so hot and i went and got tested and it came back positive and i was like oh my god and i felt like you know as far as risk like my job like it was shocking to me that i didn't and i was pretty safe yeah and i triple i boosted triple vaxxed yeah and i too, did all the things i was supposed to do but still just like you know as far as a numbers game as far as like yeah proximity to people i mean i went to brazil i went to all these places and i was like on all these flights and doing all this stuff and finally it was the omicron strain that just right I mean, it obliterated. December to January was like yeah. everybody got it. Everybody I, I knew. Like. I had it, and I remember I shared about it because a lot of people weren't sharing about it. Yeah. Were, I knew because there were you know, people in my community and friends. Right. And I was like, maybe if you guys had been more vocal about sharing about it, I would have been more cautious. And I yeah, felt, but I, I felt, mean, I what mean, could you do? You knew people, what was happening. Like, I, I don't know. I don't. And so I was like, I'm going to post about it. And as soon as I posted about it, I was just inundated with, I have it, I have it, I have it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like Everybody, all of us. Yeah. yeah. And it was, was just it was the like time. the COVID club. But it kind of yeah. feels good. Like, I, like I said, I'm going to go out tonight and I feel like a little bit safe. Yeah. Like <laughs> invincible. Like I'm in a video game and I got some special power for like a few weeks or something. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that's the nice thing. And I feel like now L.A. is, like, opening back up and no masks in certain places. And we're Doesn't able to, like. Is today the day? Today's I feel the like day. So does that down. mean we don't I have see to see people at masks? the gym. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, we, I was at my kid's school this morning. And they were, like, there's so many people packed in that they wanted us to wear it outside. But they don't need to wear them outside at school, at least. He's still supposed to wear it inside. But um, I guess, I don't know. But he's vaccinated. And, like. I think if you are now in LA, you take it off. But it feels like Super Bowl weekend, nobody was wearing a mask or even talking about it or caring, and it felt like it was over. And I feel like that was the 
launch back into life that we all kind of needed in LA. I mean, I feel like desperate for it. I, I always, you know, I want to be safe and I want to be safe. I don't want want to model good good behavior. I still want to be safe. But at the same time, I am so desperate from, for some normalcy. Like I just wanted to feel, (laughs) I do. I wanted to feel like, I know it's never going to be the same. The life as we know it is forever changed by this pandemic, but I just want something resembling like, yeah, I know. That's why tonight I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to Avalon tonight for a crazy show. And then I'm going to another club. You're going to electric fields. Yeah. I'm going to go to electric (gasps) fields. I was going to go to sunset. uh, I'm going to go just for like a few minutes. Me too. Come. uh, Well, I'm I'm planning on it. I feel like that's there. I didn't know you're going. Yeah. And then I'm going to go to Grandmaster. You know that new spot? It's like right around the corner in Cahuenga. Is that Grandmaster Recordings or something? So well, it's so funny. I'm trying to. I want it. I'm. I off. can share that. This is secret, but I can share it because this isn't going to come out tonight. No, it's, it's come not. Out like, and then at midnight, it's my birthday. Oh, amazing! Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> but we're not celebrating till next week. I'm doing okay. two. I'm doing two because I don't actually celebrate my birthday because it's kind of uh, emotional for me. So I'm going to do two parties next week. I'm going to do Valhalla. I'm going to make like a birthday thing, and then for my sort of colorful queer fun community, and then um, we're going to do uh, I think Desert Five Spot. Have you been there at the Tommy? No, it's I saw a flyer fun. for it. Maybe you posted it last week, and I was yeah. like, "What is this? A country bar? Country or what's happening?" Ro- I mean, I play rock and roll. I play like four countries. Okay, this, but I play I play rock and roll. But it's like Americana. I would love to come check that. It's out. So, well, I'll invite you because I'm doing a party there inside. Okay, let me know. Um, and Anna Calderon's going to DJ. Okay, and Mark and Wade. Do you know Wade? Um, he books it. Maybe he's going to play. Okay, and they have a great band. It does like Tom Petty cover. Like it's actually really fun. Oh, I want to come. Super fun. It's in Hollywood somewhere. Yeah, it feels very different. Like if you from you know the places yeah. you play and go, right? It's gonna feel well. That's what I need. That's why I met um, the different. guy that throws electric feels. Um, Jeremy last week. Jeremy, yeah. yeah. And um, I was like, "Yo, I just found out about your party. It looks so dope. It's like my dream kind of party to DJ." And then I talked to Mike B, and he's like, "Yo, I'm playing at." Was oh, um, he doing tonight? Yeah, they oh, don't announce good. who's doing no, it. No, I know they don't care, but they're like um, they never say who the DJs. Are. Yeah, and they also haven't hired me, and I'm like. I'm like, oh my god! I literally, I mean, well, it'll I be good. We'll I go tonight. Ang- Maybe we'll go DJ I it. Uh, I haven't next been angling that hard, but I like kind of was like, here's seventy five flyers with all the bands from that era with my name on them. Like, right. here's me on tour with Cut Copy. Here's me on tour with the Presets. Here's me opening for Hercules and Love Affair. Here's my Lady Hawk remix that was number one on Hype Machine. Like, I was like, yeah. I literally was like, have that you been era, to the party? I haven't gone yet. It's my first one. Me too. It's so the anniversary. It's the first one. Um, I'm excited that I think. Yeah, me fun. too. Perfect. So we'll. I'll see you tonight then. <laughs> I was gonna do that and then go. I think by uh, you know Zen's thing. Uh, oh, Barbie? sunset. Uh, sunset. Oh, he's at the addition. He's reopening tonight. I love that room with the disco balls. Yeah. That was one of the last residencies I had before COVID. Me too. We were doing, yeah, down in the basement. Right before. So that's why I feel like it feels nice to just be able to go (laughs) back out and not feel so like, oh God, am I I going to get COVID and give it to my kids? You know, we're parents, like for everyone listening, like we both have young children in our house and Mm -hmm. my goal was to not give it to my kid or my parents or my wife and then... I did not give it to my parents, but obviously I got it. And then two days later, my kid had it. And then my wife and yeah, I kind of a horror story. This is not DJ related. You're probably going to cut it out, but I'm going to share it anyway. Where I, uh, so I got it like the Sunday before Christmas. Yeah. And then, um, I was away from my children. Yeah. For Christmas. Christmas. So I was in home staring. It was raining. Remember that week? It was like pouring rain. So I was like at home. I got very sick. 
And oh, I was kind of no. scared because I, I just had pneumonia like a month before. So I actually got really oh, wow. sick. And I was like alone. Crazy. Watching the rain, crying away from my family. Oh, that's depressing. And then they tested and they didn't have it. And so they were like, hey, we don't have it. And then Christmas Eve, um, a family member gave it to everybody. No. So my kids got it from a family member and then they came home and then so we were quarantined for and the other God, thing that happened that was crazy. sort of the, this really sort of like you know incredibly ironic and like bitterly ironic moment was that on day nine of my quarantine they lowered the time to five days so I if it had been five days at five days for me I would have spent Christmas with my family and they wouldn't have gotten COVID because they would have come home right and so I was like but on day nine of ten they were like just kidding you only need five days I know, but it was and so was confusing, like, the like, amount of videos oh, and things great. I watched. I'm like, is it five days or ten days? Like, I don't know. I kept, te I, I tested positive for like two weeks. I didn't test. I was told that you wouldn't, you, I've tested now and I've tested Everyone negative. But I, was told I had you so many different test. told things too. Like, people are like, what do you mean you don't test? I'm like, You're, that's why everyone has it, because of you. No, I, I don't no, know. I tested, I tested Aruba. So I okay. did, I've tested negative since having COVID. Right. I, I was supposed to go yeah. to like the doctor for something and I tested negative and then they were like, wait, but you still had it within 20 days. You can't come into the office. I was like, what is this shit is nuts. So, yeah. but then there's a five day and the 10 day and the, we're here. I don't know. I know we survived it. And I yes. do. And like you, I feel insulated. Or yeah. Not like I'm excited. Not invincible. I'm like, I feel invincible. Right. But I, feel I would, like I probably bold, wouldn't go like, out. I probably wouldn't go out to those two things tonight if i, I mean i gonna yet. be a shit show yeah it's but at this point like i'm bananas. like okay i got boosters and all that and yeah i don't know i'll take cbd or whatever you gotta do <laughs> 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 there was like so many extra things um so okay where are we we, we we've gone off on many tangents oh, i'm sorry um, i know i feel like I, no it's the best i love it it's like a natural conversation so um you know i mean i was gonna ask you What's the process like getting ready for to DJ all those different types of events that you do? But we somewhat went into that, you know, and just went into the how fun it is to dig into, you know, these things and get ready for all that kind of stuff. So I guess, you know, one level beyond that, um, a couple questions are like, do you ever record your sets, which you said you did the David Byrne one? Do you record them like regularly? I record my sets right all the time. Yeah. Okay. Me and too. And so I have, so I have all these like four-hour mixes, and me I record too. them. Do you put any out ever? Uh, I do. I put okay. mixes out all the time. I actually did. I DJed uh, for Sinespia. I did Drop It Gorgeous last. I Friday, need to week? come to one of those no, when you're so doing fun. it. Yeah. My God. I did, but I did it and no, I did the mix. I would love to do that kind of shit. Like just doing, I did yeah. like a Stranger Things thing it. and it was so much fun to like be, I recorded my whole set and I did a, something for Glow, that show. I it was yeah, it's so funny. I was going to say, I did Stranger Things and Glow. Too. I feel like you and I do a lot of the same jobs. Yeah, I feel like they, totally. uh, you know, which we're very lucky. Not yes, good. I feel so like lucky. it's you, me and Miles are sort of these three people that I'm like, so grateful that they trust me to do that. You know what I mean? I, and feel, you like guys, we're in a, I feel like we're in a box and they like shake up the box and like, who are you going to pull out for this one? Right. Like, I feel like it's so arbitrary, but like really we do the same jobs all the time, which is yeah. funny, but it's so fun. Yeah. And I never get to go to things on the weekend cause I was always working or then I was like freaked out about COVID or whatever it was. So now I'm like, I'm ready to go out. And plus I'm not booked as much, you know, at this point or their weekdays or it's just weird. So weird that's why I'm like, let's go Friday night. I'm off. I'm going out. And so, yeah, yeah next time you're doing that, let me know. I, I do record my sets and I do put them up and I do have a mix cloud and okay. you're welcome. To so we can hear some of those. Sure. I feel like, it, I feel like the people listening to this 
this podcast are probably going to be curious about whether I'm competent or not. <laughs> um, because I feel like that's a big thing where uh, DJs who sort of have careers like I have where they work a lot. Right. Um, you know, I mean, you're at gonna the end of the day, it doesn't a, matter. I got a critical eye when you listen to I got mixes. people you're commenting like, last night to me like, you know, you please stop. You suck. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> like, I... You don't know what the hell, who they are. It doesn't matter. Like. I, I will say this. So my favorite DJs, and I wouldn't put myself in this category. I take it way too seriously. But my favorite DJs are more often than not the least technical. Okay. Um, so like who? Any examples? I don't want to say who they are because then I'm <laughs> calling them out for being the least technical. But well, I will say. No, I mean. No, I will say this. The people who play with instinct. Right. Who, you know, will slam songs into each other. Who will just all of a sudden be like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Uh, for me, like uh, sort of in, a, in a, an emotional way, like I, I'm very receptive to that and uh -huh. I usually have the most fun in those nights. Right. DJs who are the most technical, so the turntablists, the other end of the spectrum, I'm yeah. not saying they're not incredible, but oftentimes there'll be somebody playing and again, I'm not going to call them out, but I think we know who I'm talking about. There's a, a few of them where, you know, you'll, you'll they'll be so impressive in terms of their, you know, capacity to, to yeah. play with music and put it together and do interesting things and just have it be like this sort of technical experience. Yeah. Um, but very often they're playing for the six guys standing behind them whose jaws totally, are on the fucking yeah. floor. Oh my God. I, and then I feel like people who kind of occupy that middle space, I would put you there. I think you're capable of being the more technical DJ, but I think you also respect that in a room, you're playing for the room and you're not playing for the six guys behind you. Where it's like, you, you know, you want your mixes to be solid. You don't want to embarrass yourself. But at the same time, if things need to change, you change. You're not coming in with a game plan. It's not like the whatever DJ battle <laughs> world championship thing. Right. Like it's a dance floor and a dance floor is an amorphous thing that moves and changes and shifts. And, yeah. you know, and so often my sets, I'm somewhere in the middle, but I probably skew more, uh, the less technical side. Although, you know, if I train wreck, I will cry. Like I care so much about having about precision, but at the same time, I right. feel like there's this thing where you can like, where I like to mix it up and change it and, and it becomes a yeah. very sort of eclectic thing always. Yes. So that's why I don't put my mixes out because I think people, you don't know what it feels like in the room. But I do put my Sinestia mixes out. I do put those because those are more thoughtful and those are more curated right. and those are more like, and I feel like I don't, you know, I play hip hop 80% of the time. Yeah. I play classic hip hop, I play 90s hip hop, I play you know early 2000s hip hop yeah. all the time. Like that's my bread and butter. And I've never put a hip hop mix out. Right. Like obviously, I'm I'm capable of playing a hip hop set because I get hired to do it yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um. But I've never put a hip hop mix out, and I feel like maybe I should just one day like record one. And part of the reason I haven't is because when I record my sets live, it like yeah. goes in all these weird. You can take a snippet of it, but yeah. same thing. I totally. I've even uh, debated like listening back, like. Because it doesn't carry over the energy or no, what was happening. Thing, yeah. or, or someone's talking will, to you and the song plays for four minutes because like, you're having so, a conversation. Exactly. Like, are you like, whatever? I you, was you know? thinking like, like, I want to, <laughs> I was going to put out this mix and then do a voiceover on the mix and be like, <laughs> just so you know, someone was talking to me <laughs> for four and a half minutes at this part. That is why I re I restarted the song and then just leave the mix, let it go for 20 minutes. Okay, at this part, the power I, went out, and I, I turned back on, and the event planner <laughs> needed to hear a song by her nephew, so don't think I'm, that's why I'm playing this weird Katy Perry remix, because, <laughs> like, I was like, no one's going to understand, that's why I don't want to put this mix out, but I'm like, what if you do, like, and this was the moment I realized everything was going bad, you know, it's, it's like, true. Hugh Jackman was dancing on the table and fell off, and it's like, you know, you don't know what's happening, so, I mean, I've literally been at gigs where they were like, Adam Levine has a headache. And I was like, <laughs> what? 
uh, what am I supposed to go get Advil? Like, am, am I? And they were like, no, just we just need you to know that. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna play not headache music. Um, uh, like, why doesn't he leave? No, they'll come up and they'll be, they'll be like, you know, whoever <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch wants to yeah. hear the song, and you're like, okay, we'll play Arcade Fire now, sure. <laughs> like, whatever, you know exactly, what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're just like, whatever you need. So it's like on the mix, you're like, okay, I just reverbed out in the middle of a song, but it's because, because Benedict it's, Cumberbatch. It's happening, and yeah, and you know, it's funny though. I think part of the reason um, you and I work as much as we do is because we're not precious about it. And we have a sense of humor. Yeah. And I think that also when you do events like this, you are a very integral part of the, the night. Like yeah. you, you know, you, the, the reason we get paid the fees that we do is because you have to have somebody capable of carrying a room. Um, right. But also, it's not about you. You're not the star. And I think yeah, for a lot of DJs and, and, you know, what'll happen is they'll get these opportunities. They'll show up, they'll be on stage and they're, you know, I'm playing in rooms and there's Brad Pitt and there's, you know... Angelina Jolie and there's all these people in these rooms that I'm in that I'm standing in front of on a stage lit and they're looking at me. Yeah. And I think a lot of DJs come in with that sort of, you know, energy and they want to perform and they want to make it about them. They want to be technical. They want to whatever. Yes. And it's really not about you. It's really kind of like, not that you're playing background. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to belittle us that much, but most of the time that's what you're doing. Yeah. Most of the time you're playing quietly so people can talk. So people can network, so people can do sort of industry stuff. And then at right. some point, maybe you're building a dance floor, but often you're not. Yeah. You're at Sunset Tower. You have all those noise restrictions, right? Yeah. Like it really is about sort of setting a tone. And that is a very sort of nuanced space to live as a DJ because your instincts are to turn that shit up and have everyone dancing. Right. And so to know when not to do that or when to do that, yeah. you know, I think is a real, uh, you know, sort of unique skill set. And part of the reason, again, why we work as much as we do. Yeah. And why those sets aren't necessarily the ones that you're going to share because sometimes you are playing more of a song because if you were jumping in and out too quickly, right. it would it would be uh, it might sort of uh, you know be distracting for the energy of the room. You're really sort of just yeah. setting creating a, like a beautiful space for people to yeah. That's such it, that's such good advice and good insight into it. And it's just yeah, like get over yourself a little bit, you know, like. <laughs> I mean, I love a dance floor. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but I think that knowing when, but you're right. knowing your place. Yeah, is, and feel, and yeah. it is that feeling of like, okay, I'm here. They're looking at me. The event planners looking at me. The celebrities or the, the super important people or the owner of the billionaire owner, you know, or whoever it is. Yeah. And and it's that fine line of facilitating them having the best time and playing your part on the team that the event planner put together and your part is important, but it's not the part that you feel at the moment that your like body's like going into that mode of like, ah, oh, they're looking at me. I'm the star. When really it's like, no, you have to you have to help them still be the star on the dance floor, you know, and you're going to mm -hmm. do a good job and you want to be noticed for your work that you've put in. But yeah, it's like that fine it's like, line. Yeah. Like if you showed up and jumped up and down and played your Vegas set, you right. would never work again. And I think that often they will right. have newer DJs come in and do just that. Yeah. Because they're like, here's my well, moment to yeah, shine. Right. And no one's going to be like, like I DJ never was... used a mic. Like you yeah. said, I didn't use a mic. I don't, I've hardly ever used a mic at any event mm. like that. Um, and I remember those HBO ones. Like I used to, we would do them together. Uh, the we Golden did. Globes we ones Globes a lot of together. the time. Yeah. And then I remember I didn't do one of the years and I saw one of the people that oh they had hired to the do it. Guy. And there was a guy <laughs> like, he was doing backflips and holding things and he was like, 
I was there the, the year fire. before. He had okay? like blue fire. I'm wearing a tuxedo. I'm playing dope music. I'm mixing Stevie Wonder into this or that. You know, I got every celebrity in the world having the time of their life. Yeah. You know, I'm not on the mic. I'm. It's like you said. It's not I about say, me. I was there because I actually played with him, and I can testify that this is true. He did. He fucking killed it. It was such a good. Party. But it was no not one about wanted me. to leave. Thank it was you. so good. It was so Thank fun. You. I appreciate it. And then they heard fire. But guy. then the next year, I'm like, I, I get. I'm not hired. I look. I'm like, all right, what? I don't care. Look, I'm of the school of thought of there's enough room for everybody. I'm happy when other people get hired. Obviously, I want to do everything, and I have, like, an ego, and I want to be cool, you know, do things. But really, I know it's fine. But, wow, I don't know who this person was. Like, and he's doing back – literally, I think he was doing backflips and, like, and like doing – Thing, you know, and I'm like, what What are they thinking? You know, this is nuts. And he was trying to take over the whole show, you know, and maybe that worked. I mean, I've never been back. Maybe would, he's there every year. He, I call him the fire guy because he, he had a guy. fire thing, like, you know, like a Burning Man kind of situation right. where you have like a fire thing. You, like, he's blow like the it, carrot then, top like, the fire. of DJing. No, like literal fire. Like he like blew, like, <laughs> like he like danced with fire. That's dangerous. I don't know it's bananas. I have too much but I hair feel like, for did that. Did we talk about this? I feel like we talked about it because I because it's funny. We you know gimmicks, right? Yeah. My you could you could say me dressing up is a gimmick, right? I mean, yes, to, to a certain extent, sure. it is. You could say people like Stevie Oki throwing cakes at the crowd, jumping around is a gimmick. Like we all have our things, right? Yeah. And I don't begrudge anyone having something that distinguishes them, makes them unique. And Fire yeah. Guy is great, but. He was the thing that I, <laughs> I mean, guy. great. Uh, yeah, it's all relative and subjective. Yeah. But, but the, thing that, I was, the, the thing that I was confused about and the, the messages I kept getting, and I was actually working that night. I did Netflix that night. That was the night Drake and I played together. He showed up at the Netflix party and like was like, I'm going to DJ for a bit. And I was like, okay. And then, he, and then I DJ with Drake, which is like, I feel like a big moment as far as That is DJ. really cool. Like I, saw you, I saw you post a couple yeah. little things, but I'm sure um, way more happened. But I, so I heard about Fire Guy. I was getting texts about Fire Guy because people were saying like, I was this too. music. <laughs> yeah, is the music was horrible too. Horrible. Like, I know. They were like, I can't. They were like, I can't with the fucking music. They were like, because right. it was he played. He showed up and he played hard house or maybe like kind of EDM-y, like Vegas, but right. you know, just like no vocal kind yeah. of like weird. And everyone was like, you know, in Hollywood, one of the things that you're playing for is a room that is a pretty diverse room. Yes. Right. It's diverse as far as ages. You're going to have like we do, you know, I do a lot of Netflix stuff and there'll be the Stranger Things kids on the lower spectrum. And then there'll be, uh, you know, Jane Fonda. Yeah. Like that's a pretty big fucking spectrum of people. And the Stranger Kids things, they do like to hear the ratchet shit. And Jane Fonda likes to hear the 70s stuff. And they'll all dance. And you kind of really have to be able to sort of maneuver between all yes, those worlds. Totally. Like a wedding, right? Like if you have a wedding, you're playing for a pretty diverse group. Yeah. And But I will tell you the one thing people don't want to hear is like really aggressive EDM. Like there's right. there's maybe four people in the room that would enjoy that. Like I feel like people like accessible music. They recognize. Yeah. They you know, want to hear it sort of, they want to sing the courses, they want to dance and, you know, you can kind of bridge that gap and straddle between doing, you know, the stuff that the younger kids are going to like and the stuff that the older people are going to like and maybe move out and have kind of mini sets or, you know, be real eclectic if you're feeling adventurous and yeah. go like bananas. <laughs> but, yes. um, yeah, but I, I remember like, I just got so many messages about his music and I was <laughs> that like, that's so funny. I mean, it's, you know, because that's something you have to consider who you're playing for because yeah. it's not a performative thing. It's not like you're, you know, just right. you doing this, incredible show which i'm sure was awesome yeah <laughs> he literally did backflips like it was 
It was crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Um, and then, so then how, for all of these completely different types of sets, how do you, do you have any method to your organization of your music? <laughs> that is a question I have for a lot of DJs. Uh, sure. I think that's a great question. And I think, uh, you know, every DJ is probably unique. Yeah, for sure. I am, in case you can't tell from our many years <laughs> of friendship, um, extremely organized and analytical. That's, and that was my I guess. I have, I have, uh innumerable playlists like I have playlists where I have you know my 90s folder for instance I have it broken down by year I have it broken down each by, year in the 90s yeah so each year in the 90s so if I do something like I did uh, a 90s roller rink was my first post-vax gigs right um for a tv show and I, they were like the show takes place in 95 and I was like no problem Here's my 95 folder. Um, I also break it down. So if I'm doing Stranger Things, for instance, I have the charts, the radio charts, but I also look at like the college charts, the indie stuff. So, you know, like the Smiths, if we're talking about 1984, are the band I would be listening to, but they're not going to be the ones that are on the you know radio charts. So like I like right. to break it down even further by having sort of the stuff that is like universally, like you're going to hear the Phil Collins, you're going to hear, you know, stuff that you everyone yeah. knows. And then I like to kind of, infuse it with the stuff that I is my personal taste which is I, I always skew yeah. left of center like I just do of course um so that's how I organize it and then I create almost every set all the time like I just have it's like actually history you'll take yeah it. like yeah. I take like I go into the history and I look at the I date do too. and I create so for instance even I played Soho Warehouse last weekend on you know Sunday afternoon and I played a uh, it's funny, I played like a lot of long songs because I had friends there and I was talking like a lot of sort of eight minute disco, you know, kind of rare disco, a yeah. lot of world disco. Uh, and I was like, oh, I really like like the set. And I like, created it. And now I have this folder that has these like longer disco songs. And I don't know if that's going to be useful to me at any point, but I'm glad I did that because right. um, now I can reference back to it. And then I have a folder where this is actually, I call the folder cocktail. <laughs> uh, so it's a, you know, subfolder in the cocktail folder where, you know, it's got the stuff that is, if I'm in, uh, you know, next to a pool or it right. is uh, some sort of reception at some, you know, house yeah. in Beverly Hills, I have this cocktail folder that I can sort of right. reference. So I do that frequently. Um, but I do think that it's gotten to the point now where there is, it's so dense and there's so much stuff, and I will open, 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 that there have been moments where I've lost stuff. So, for instance, I'm playing right. Desert Five Spot, right? I played it a couple weeks ago, and that's mm. rock and roll. And I can't remember the last time I did a rock set. Like, a, like, a true, like no remixes, no edits. I mean, I do, I will, I'm not going to lie, I did put some quick hits with the intros and outros, but I made sure that every single one of them, even though they're quantized, didn't sound quantized. Yeah, they like sounded like, it's not like a redrum, yeah. like, you know, which are the amazing ones in DJ City, like incredible ones. Um, but I was like, okay, this sounds live enough that yeah, no I one's going to think that I'm like, you know, playing a remix because yeah. it is not a remix crowd. Right. At all. Um, so, you know, like I, and then I had to, I kind of redid a whole folder specifically for this gig right. because I was like, I got to, you know, pull that. And yeah. I actually went back pre record pool days. Because I was like, I need to pull, like I used to play, I used to do a residency at Harvard Stone for like three years where I played every Saturday night and I did like rock and roll, mod, you know, right. 50s, even rockabilly. Yeah. I and did I was a Motown like, night there. Yeah, we just Motown, all Motown. Tons uh, of, tons of soul, tons yeah. of like, you know, up into kind of the 80s stuff, but that was as far as it went. May I well know, maybe like some stuff like The Strokes yeah. or Jet or 
Kings of Leon or whatever. I but know. I was like, I had to pull it all together. And I was like, I need to remember how to mix these songs. Right. And like not overmix them. Because even if you overmix them, it sounds like you're doing a remix. Because effectively yeah. you are. You're like looping something. It's You're remixing it. Right. And it was interesting. It was like, yeah. a, it was a lesson in, you know. No, it's good to be so organized, but it can lead somewhat uh, to like paralyzation on the spot. <laughs> if, if you're not, if you're looking for the thing or you're, they're too subbed out for me, you know, the crates, then I'll be like, oh God, I just wish, Serato, please, I could search the crates. If I could search mm. my crates, I feel like I could work faster because like you said, I've made crates all the way back to 2005 that are like rock and roll and it was like when I was just burning CDs and recording vinyl and I can't find those anymore you know like I don't know where they are inside my stuff and I I would be able to go oh Motown crate you know and have it pop up instead of just searching the songs but um that's interesting the way you do it you know it sounds good I've never done every year like that that sounds I'm I'm really I'm like of all the nerds you know, I might, <laughs> I might be like You're one the of top, the nerdiest. Top nerd. <laughs> I know. I don't know how I present to the world, but literally I am like, I, I feel very, you know, I have no shame around how As much you, you I love should to not like have any shame. learn. Um, but yeah, I feel like music is so interesting to me. Yeah. And also understanding, so I have genre crates, I have year crates, I have you know, more general stuff like right, cocktail. Vibe, cocktail. I have hip yeah. you know, with my hip hop crate, I'll have like, you know, obviously different types of hip hop. <laughs> yeah. Like golden era hip hop. Right. And golden era, I distinguish, you know, again, like I think there's a very sort of, you know, there's a, there's a few years there. And then you, I also have the early 2000s where, you know, if you're playing a set, you're really merging those two. So they're kind of in the same crate, but they're also distinctive. Yeah, totally. You know, I mean, hip hop's so hard for me to categorize because then I'm like new, old, current, old, this old, super old, golden. And then era, I always 80s, have radio, you know. so like I always will do, um, and I usually do this once a month where I have like basically what's on the radio. But it's not just the radio because radio, you know, terrestrial radio doesn't exist in the same way anymore. It's like what's in the Spotify charts and what's in the DJ right. City charts. And even like those, are, I feel yeah. like people get confused that just because it's a hit song, you can't necessarily play it for mm -hmm. people to dance to. Yeah, you you're know? not. I mean, some people are mixing in Adele, but I mean. Yeah. yeah, and also you don't have to. Like people are like this song's so big, I don't want to play it. Okay, then don't. You know, <laughs> if it doesn't work as a DJ, just play with you know. Yeah, I mean, I was noticing in Vegas. I'm trying to get all the new hip hop, and ten years ago, hip hop was killing it way more. You know than. Mm -hmm the newest Jack Harlow song. You know what I mean? I can just play like, I'm cashing out like three, six mafia, little John and songs from 10, 15 years ago, yeah. uh, in a way we're killing it harder. So what do you think's happening now? I mean, I feel like, you know, if you want to talk about sort of the current music in the club yeah. space, like I feel like the women are really, you know, like the Cardi and the Meg and the, you know, for me personally, um, yeah, ha they had a moment kind of last summer and it's still sort of, they're playing the most like, fun, Club friendly hip hop, I think you know. Uh, but also, it's, I mean, they're they're yeah. making, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just I'm curious. I was that was a question. That's I mean, definitely a lot of Cardi and Megan, uh, City Girls. Oh, I you love know, City Girls. that Lotto songs getting kind of big, mm -hmm. uh, big D energy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the, you know, I think a lot of women know how to make music that is fun for other people to dance to a lot of the time you know and that's a lot that's something i've learned 
through DJing as well, you know, going to events and being like, who's DJing this event? You know, like, why am I not DJing? And then I'm like, damn, everyone's having a good time. Damn, who's, what, what songs are they? Oh, oh, it's a woman DJing. Damn, she's playing all this shit either I don't know or I would never think to play, you know, and it, it, I tell some of my male friends that too. Like, it's, you know, interesting because, yeah, like, we're, why are you playing certain songs? You know, you have to think about that. You know, and like you said, are you trying to impress your friends behind you? Or what's the purpose of why are you playing that? And a lot of times I think women are able to just be like tap into the fun part of it and just not worry about what people are going to think and just know the fun songs to play and also make, you know, in the sense of I mean, hip-hop. I think that, I mean, I will say this. Like, I I prefer not to generalize by gender. Because, Same. Because I know so I just often, did. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, you did it in a flattering way, but so often I'm put in a category as a yes. female DJ and never, in fact, very rarely am I put in a, just like as a DJ. Usually it's quant- quantified For sure. by my gender. Yes. So maybe I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about that. And I'm like, why can't I just be a DJ? Like, you know. Yeah. Like it's always like the I female think- DJ. And they're always like, and you know, I've done it here over the course of this conversation where I've maybe intentionally messaged, messaged, talked about people like, you know, Shorty as a turntablist. There's plenty right. of men I could name as turntablists. Yeah. But I prefer to position her as a turntablist because first of all, she's fucking amazing. Yeah. But also sh- she's a woman. So right. I, you know, flip side, I think that, there is a uh, distinction, right? right? And I also think that women, because of uh, our gender and because this is still, even though there are lots of women killing it right now, this is still such a male-dominated industry. In fact, the, they posted a clip from a podcast I did yesterday. Um, they posted the, pod- the clip yesterday, but the podcast I did like a month ago. But yeah. um, where we talked about the fact that, you know, when I started, there weren't women there wasn't a, there wasn't, you know, you talk about sort of that, yes. the path and, you know, looking at someone as a model for what you can be. And every single club DJ I knew, like I knew AM, I knew all these, it was all men. Yeah. Like I didn't know a right. single woman. And in fact, until me, I don't know any of the women who were doing the open format stuff. Yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, maybe there were some around the same time, like Rashida maybe, but again, she was sort of on the thing with Prince and yeah. Valida came, she was doing drum and bass, but again, she came from, there were house and sort of techno and drum and bass, but like legit open format. Like I was like indie, vinyl, hip hop. Like I was right. like, you know, and, and I was like, this is what I do. And everyone's, I kept hearing over and over, everyone would be like, I've never seen a girl DJ before. Yeah. Like over and like I heard that hundreds and hundreds of times when I started out because right. people had legitimately not seen a girl DJ before. So I think for women, you know, even today, there's a stigma because people will look at her and make assumptions about how she got where she was, right? Yes. Because you do. You would never look at a man and say, I know how he got the job. You right. look at a man and say, is he good or not? And if he's not good, you're like, oh, maybe he's friends with someone. But like you, there's sort of this instantaneous stereotyping when it comes to women where, you know, you have to sort of sp- spend a lot of time, um, you know, pushing back on that and proving yourself and yes. making sure that you're, you know, legitimizing your success. And so it's, you know, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I try to be like pretty laid back about it. But sometimes even today I will walk into an event and I will walk in with my tech or whoever is with me and they will walk up to him and say, Hey, is your DJing today? Right. You know? And I'm like, yo, yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like, I, I feel like there's just this sort of, um, you know, particularly with me, because I also think a lot of women, um, you know, because it's male dominated industry will dress a certain way. Like I've always worn, you know, high heels and miniskirts and had hair and makeup on. Yeah. I didn't feel like I had to dress in like a tomboy 
I think you can. I think you should dress however you feel. But how right. I've always felt is I felt very overtly female. Yeah. And I've, you know, I embrace that side of myself. I have no, you know, issues whatsoever with right. you know, being, you know, presenting myself in, in the way that I like to present myself. And I think that, you know, presenting yourself the way I present myself and throwing down a hip hop set are not mutually exclusive things. Like, and oftentimes yeah. it's sort of an anomaly because you, you expect a guy who looks like you, you don't expect a woman who, you know, looks right. like me. It's sort of yeah. a weird disconnect. Yeah. And so there's a critical eye, which, you know, you look at DJs, right? Like we all look at each other with a critical eye, but I feel like there's this added layer for, for women. I agree. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, no, no. I think, I think it's true. <laughs> I think that, and I think that there was, um, you know, it's obviously something that will take time, um, to change and is, is it's changing. Is it's changing. evolving. Oh, for sure. It's um, evolving. I mean, I've, I, like I said, I've been doing this for 15 years. Like I, when I've started compared to now, when I look at the number crazy, of women, the amount of women that are now are working and I, I, and also the younger women who are coming up yeah. like the Jada booze and the honeys and the, like I have so much, respect for anyone who does what they love. Yeah. And I think there's space for everyone. And I think people should just, um, you know, follow their, follow their bliss. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think that the women that are coming up today have models to look at. Yeah. And also great. being an older woman in the industry, like, you know, DJing is kind of a young person's game, like being out every night and, you know, yes. you and I are probably pretty close in age. And I feel like it's, there's a period in most people's life where you're like, okay, that was cool. Yeah. Now I got to get a real job. No, none of my uh, other friends yeah. from like, you know, my friends yeah. my age that don't DJ are like, what? You're going out? You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to go out Friday. I mean, I'm going to go out. I'll be tired. I'll go out tonight. You know, I was at the school assembly this morning at yeah. eight in the morning and then we're doing this and then visit family and then I'll go out tonight and then we have a soccer tournament tomorrow and you know, in the middle of nowhere. So yes, no, it's, it's, I a, mean, it's you, a lot. You sort of vacillate yeah. between those worlds and I do as well. And I also f feel like I'm happy to kind of be this example for how to, you know, grow up in the, in an industry because yeah. I, again, there aren't that many women. I look at older than me. I don't see any. And no. I look forward to. And uh, a lot of not, there's not a lot of women with children. No. Being a mother as well, being a mother as well, I think is, is, you know, something that, you know, and I have a lot of younger women who uh, come to me with questions about how, like Shaw, and I talked at length, Lady Shaw, who's, yeah. you had her on? She's so good. Not yet. Um, I want to. She a, actually she wrote in a question about uh, how we deal did. with our babysitting uh, uh, <laughs> situations or um, something. So, I gotta she, so she's someone who I talked to at length because she also, you know, wanted to be a mom and she's out, she's out now playing Bootsy, doing all her residencies, doing yeah. her stuff, but she said, I, I don't understand how it works. And we talked about it. And we talked about, you know, being a working parent is challenging no matter what your business is. Right. Being a working parent who is a DJ is actually unique in a way because it affords you the opportunity, for me at least, to be home with my kids during the day. Right. Which I, you know, for the first, I breastfed both of them for two years, which again is not like this podcast, it's your dad podcast. But I'm just saying I, you know, was able to have this kind of luxury of straddling these two worlds. Yeah. And um, I fully expected my career to end. <laughs> right. Like I was like when I, I decided to have children, I made the choice to be a parent. I was actually sort of at the peak of my career. I was like touring Monsters Ball tour. I was doing all the stuff, and I said, you know what, I I want to be a parent. Like I'm not going to wait. This isn't something. There's never going to be a good time. And I made that choice. And when I made that choice, I fully expected everything to disappear. And I was right. like, this was great. Time to yeah. move forward. I wanted to be a young mom, and so I uh, did that. And then you know, shortly after I had my son, I started getting calls. 
when you're working, you back. And I was like, I guess I'm back. Okay. <laughs> and then um, what happened was I upped my rate and I was more selective about work and I started earning more money. Yeah. And working, you know, in a way that it actually forced me to sort of adapt in a way that I probably should have done when I was like earlier. Because <laughs> yeah. I was always one of those people that's like, take everything, whatever they have, it's fine. Right. You know, my agents were like, no, no, no. That's not how it works. And I was like, no, I don't, it's just when I work, I just, no, I'm, I'm just so happy for these opportunities. And right. they're like, no, 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 you have to value yourself and you have to, you know, so, so that forced me into that sort of have to have that business acumen that I was deficient in before. Yeah. And then, um, you know, but I imagine myself, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of wait for the gigs to dry up. Like, they just keep coming. Like, I'm always like, it's going to end at some point. <laughs> like, then COVID happened. I was like, it's over. And then we came back from COVID. I'm busier than I've ever did. Like, yeah. I did, like so many jobs last year. Right. I was like, they kept flying me to New York. And I was like, okay. Like, I was like, okay, like, this is great. And then, um, you know, but I see myself, like, 15 years from now at, like, 50 as like the woman with like the silver hair and the caftan, like throwing down the fucking insane sets. Like that's I like, I think that there is an opportunity and you want to talk about gimmicks or kitschy or whatever. Like I don't, I would love to see an old woman who knows how to fucking DJ. Like yeah. why not? Right. Why don't I be that woman? I'll get there eventually. Yeah. I just have to keep, you know, having birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, right? we'll start with tomorrow. And then, I, and then, I, you know, and then the 22 year olds who are starting out and, you know, at the club with all their friends are going to yeah. have some model for, you know, that could be me. Why not? Right. Like, I, just well, I know that's a, the that thing when we were coming yet. up, it was like, yeah. can you imagine that DJ's 40, you know, yeah. and now it's like, okay, we're all 40 people turning 50. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, I guess it's happening. Like we're growing up into that world and, and, almost blazing the trail of this event DJ or type of DJ that didn't exist before and continues to grow old with the industry, older with the industries and the event planners. I mean, I want to be DJ Harvey. I want to be DJ Harvey or Questlove. Like I want to, my, my goal, like when people are like, what kind of DJ do you want? I want to be a DJ who is respected enough that I can walk into any room and play whatever the fuck I want. And you're going to trust me. Yeah. You're just going to trust me. You're just going to trust that I got it. And you know right. who I am uh, and, you know, and that's sort of, I think it's a lofty goal <laughs> because those two examples are examples for reasons. There's a lot of things that sort of fed into their, um, right. you know, legacy. But I yeah. also think that, you know, there is some place in the world for people who have been doing it a really long time. Yeah. And relevancy is intrinsically linked to youth in our industry. And, you know, you want like, know. the young, hot DJ with all the cool friends and all the, you know, models hanging around, whatever, the whole thing. But... People who've been doing it a long time, like with any, you know, sort of anything, you're getting experience, you're getting practice. The more rooms you play in, the better you get, the more qualified you are. Yeah. And so it's like such an interesting dichotomy between this relevancy thing and sort yes. of talent is universal, but the relevancy and, you know, experience. Yep. Where, you know. It's true. I think it's interesting. Yeah, no, I know. And I and and different people will have different perspective and the booking person if they're young or not, you know, but I think experience, you know, yeah, being old sometimes can be looked <laughs> at as bad, but being experienced can be good and then being young can yeah, have that oh, they got their finger well, on being the pulse, experienced, but, but yeah, they you don't want, have the you experience. Want the younger person who plays the Yeah, so it also, you know, many gigs it doesn't matter. Like we talked about fashion before, right? When I was like 20, I did all the fashion parties, right? right? And who, I didn't, I mean, I was learning yeah. on, in public. <laughs> I think, you know, there's a lot of people who spend hours and hours practicing in their bedrooms before they go into a room, but still, no matter how much you practice, you're learning in public. Yeah, Because as sure. soon as you get in a room, 
it's a different it's experience. Different, yeah. So you know, and I remember like I play records and the record would fit, but they put the thing on and do the thing, you know, and yeah. you just kind of you're learning in public, and but everyone's like, "This is amazing," and you're like, "Yeah," you know, you like no one cares at parties like that. Yes. But in club rooms, like the first time I went into a club room where it was a dance floor. No one gives a shit what you look like. They care how you play. They care how you mix. They care that the journey you're on. They're, you know, the, it's just a very different sort of skill set. So I also think that there's, you know, those new young hot DJs are going to do the Gucci parties and whatever. But then there's, you know, always going to be space for people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as the event planners and different people kind of grow with the industry too, they we keep our relationships with them and they know that they can call on certain people to come and just do the best job and know what's up. You know? I mean, there was a big migration over COVID. I feel like people moved around and, yeah. you know, switched Huge. I know. companies and like really interesting to see sort of where people landed. Yeah. Um, I know. Because that, I mean, again, I use the word decimated because the entire industry was decimated. Yeah. Life events just vanished totally. overnight. No, it still yeah. feels like it's coming back, you know, like it's in this, I don't know, weird roller coastery way still, yeah. you know. Um, those are all good points. Um, we, and also we, you know, we discussed being a woman in the industry and, you know, a lot of those points. Um, and that's something that I know you're passionate about. Obviously people have heard you talk right now, but, but other things that you're part of is your company, uh, woman mm -hmm. and, um, your initiative that I think falls under the company, yeah. the, if I correct me if I'm saying Soteria. Soteria. <laughs> I was gonna say Soteria. I'm sorry. Yeah. Soteria. So Soteria. Um, can you? You know, I know it's it, it. It has to do with your your role in music and nightlife and safety um, around that. And you've done things with Coachella and uh, other things like that. So it's you know you work with a group of great people who I know all of them. You do um, all of them, yeah. And it's very, you know, I respect everything you guys do and it's really cool. And, um, you know, it's really important, I think. And it's something that some of these things I didn't even never thought about until I heard you guys talk about it or post about it or say what you were doing, you know, because I'm like, what do they mean the safe space or what goes on there? What would happen? You know, so and especially being a man that probably hasn't had to deal with that kind of stuff. So it was interesting to hear. But um, can you explain sort of what? Uh, your company woman is what the initiatives are and you know what what your goals are and what's been done and what's the future holds for sure all I'd be happy to yeah um so woman was born out of this shared desire to make uh nightlife festivals events safer and more equitable right for vulnerable communities okay. which uh you know women are certainly you know uh, not the only community that needs support. Right. Um, you know, there are risks with all kinds of different communities. So I want to yes. start by, you know, giving some clarity on that. Okay. But it was born out of our our uh, observations, mm -hmm. working in these spaces. And, you know, I won't talk at length about this because I can really go on and on. But I think that we all understand that there are risks. Right. right? And so we were like, what are things that we can do? We've been, you know, in these spaces, we see... What's happening, I think, you know, the Me Too movement kind of happened. There was a correlation. Yeah. And we said, we feel responsible as these sort of senior members of this community to take steps yeah. to protect people. And so Woman was born. 
And one of our, uh, we have many initiatives, you can go to our website, but one of our more successful ones was Soteria, which was specifically focused on festivals. Soteria is actually the goddess of festival and safety. Oh, okay. Great goddess. Um, and so we partnered with Golden Voice and helped them um, erect their first uh, safe space. And we did that at the last Coachella that existed. <laughs> like two, two, uh, but it's coming ago. back. Yeah, it's coming back. Um, and uh, they created an initiative called Everyone. And we worked with them on sort of um, cultivating it and designing it. And uh, in, uh, oh my gosh, I lost the word. Implementing it is okay. the word I was looking for. Um, so, you know, we spent months living in the desert. Uh, but essentially what it was is a physical space, right, where people could go and have sort of clinical help. And yeah. uh, we acted as a bridge between security and medical and customer service, you know, for things right. that, you know, when stuff happens in uh, a venue like Coachella, when there's so many people, when there's young people, when there's people imbibing, when there's, you know, risks involved and people, yeah. um, we were proactive in giving people uh, resources and places they could go. And we had uh, one of the most exciting parts of this initiative was our ambassadors that we deployed out into the field. Mm -hmm. And they basically went and were proactive and did active bystander work. And active bystander work is, you know, if you, you're out there and you're proactively looking for things that, you know, people seem, if situations seem uncomfortable or risky or, you know, you're, you're looking to sort of de-escalate as right. needed. And oftentimes, you know, people who are tasked with protect, protecting us, like security can escalate. Um, yes. You know, there's, there, security doesn't typically get TAC training. That's one of our things right. where we're teaching them how to, you know, sort of intervene without escalating because mm -hmm. sometimes things... Uh, you know, can be diffused pretty easily. And so our ambassadors were equipped with tools to do that. And we did it and it was incredible. And, you know, in terms of the numbers and, and you know, the statistic, statistically speaking, historically speaking, like it yeah. really had this incredible impact and we've done it at a bunch of other festivals. Oh, cool. um, and I'm really excited about that work because I feel like it was one of those things where we really saw uh, a need and we understood that we could step in yeah. to support our right. community in a, in a really positive way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm like really excited to talk about Soterra, but you can definitely link people to it. And if anyone wants to like talk to us about our work or support us, um, yeah. we have a couple of festivals coming up with some stuff we haven't announced. We did our first festival post COVID, which was desert days, which was amazing. Um, we were very closely with them and, and it's such a, have you been to desert days? No. Such a cool festival. Wu-Tang headlined oh, last wow. year we did. Nice. Not this one. This right. is really cool. But that, yeah, but it was like, it's like a cool festival. Yeah. It's like really cool. And it's like tiny and he's kind of near Idlewild and. Oh, cool. No, yeah. I got to check it out. No, it's That's a good one. great though. I mean, I love yeah. that, you know, you add so much to the scene through music, through DJing, through your, you know, different things that you do. If you ever put the dig thing out, um, but. <laughs> I, uh, I might, I don't know. Maybe but, for my but, birthday, I'll be like know, tomorrow. And, be like, and like, you know, you you compose music for things. You're a music director for things. There's so many things. But also this side. We talked of, about that. I, I like know, score, I know. Well, look, show, sometimes we, yeah. we, you no, know. No, no, it's good. We're out of time. I don't need to talk about no, that. No, we're people not out. We, we can talk can, about it. But I'm all my, my point being <laughs> is that not everything that people put into uh, their industry has to fully benefit themselves um, monetarily or exposure or building themselves up for another job. It can be a change that they want to see made within the industry. And that's what you're doing with 
uh, woman and Soteria. Yeah, and I that's mean, when I think it's cool. You know, it's not, I think a lot of people miss the mark and everything's so like, oh, you like that? This is how you're going to make so much money off of it. You know, well, and it's I like mean, we're all yeah. stuck in that We zone, all need to live, you know? right? We all yeah. have, I have a mortgage. You have more, we have, we have, you know, we all need to live and I don't yes. want to, I don't want to, you know, No, make money. I'm always trying to help like, people figure out how to make yeah, money. From, from, but I just but think it's, it's no, commendable. I think philanthropy and I feel like, you know, one of the things with DJs and one of the things that I do constantly is donate my time. I yeah. donate my time to all kinds of charitable organizations. Yeah. Because if somebody comes to me and they're like, oftentimes it'll be, you know, in the context of them doing a fundraiser, right? Because a yeah. fundraiser is a great way. You get people in the room. And, you do th- and I'm, I'm always, if I'm available, I'm always willing to, to participate because I feel like that's something that I can do that is a no-brainer. Right. Like, why not? Why wouldn't I support this organization? And, you know, giving time, like working with, you know, there's there's a lot of groups that I work with. I work with Art of Elysium. I work with Alliance of Moms where we do, you know, pregnant and parenting foster teens in in Los Angeles. I think Wells is involved with that, too. And so, like, you know, there's all these groups and there's all this, uh, you know, opportunity to be of service. And I think it's important. And I think that, you know, when you think about our profession, people don't necessarily see that correlation, but it it is a pretty, you know, if you're able to, to donate time to bring your equipment and set up a speaker and make, like I play for foster youth and those kids like love it. Like it's amazing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's so cool. And it's, and they all all come with the most, the craziest requests. (laughs) I don't remember. I did one where um, I didn't have clean versions of anything. And they were like, well, this community, doesn't need to be clean and you know and I was like I think they were okay <laughs> and then so I played the stuff and I was singing along and, and then um I remember there was a there was sort of a religious element there and oh they were God. just like they were like what <laughs> what is going on yeah but anyway I'm just saying you can you know you can be a service yeah and should be a service I want to encourage people to do that I think right. it's a great way to yeah and that's something that really doesn't get talked about on this show very much and just within DJ circles I think it's all so Money based. I'll put you to work. My name's Daisy Odell. Follow me on social media. I'm always like putting. I'm always putting stuff out where I'm like, do you have any DJs available to? I literally right. So if you're listening and you want to help out, yeah. How many times have I asked you to play for free? Yeah. So many times. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I mean, and I got to do yeah, or like the mental health uh, things, or you know, anything. And I I brought you into into action. I brought yeah. yeah, So many times I've been like, come play this thing for me. I want to do more stuff like that. You know what I mean? I, I I that's something I think I lack sometimes and. And then I also don't even know where to reach out and, and do so. Yeah, I'm down. Let me know. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's cool. And it's something that's not highlighted in the DJ world as much. Um, it's more just like how much money they make or what gig do they have or, you know, stuff like that. So and, and also the collaboration factor, the fact that you're collaborating with other women um, and, you know, different genders. But but your company woman is three other women who are in the world, which are, who are DJs and event planners, right? Yeah. My company is, is uh, we're all female identified. Part of the reason we have women. Um, you know, one of the things that's interesting, and I don't know if this is true for the men as much, but you know, our industry is competitive. Like people, like you were saying before that, like you walk into a gig and you're like, Oh, the person you're yeah, you know, it's, that's impossible. What I'm saying. it's impossible not to like have a no, little some bit of my of, best friends get yeah. the same gigs and I'm like, oh man, I'm so happy for you. I wish I was doing it. You yeah, know what I mean? No, it's I like, mean, it's because it, you know, even though I believe there's enough work for everyone, there's certainly yes. jobs that are more covetable and, you know, yeah. we all want to play the tenant. We all want to play the tenant Coachella, like, yes. you know, but <laughs> I, uh, you know, women, I think in particular have this, we are pitted against each other yes. and 
for a long time, I lived in LA and didn't know the other women. I knew my name. I knew Valida well. She was a great. She's been a good friend for a long time. Or like Rashida. Yeah. Or, you know, we we didn't really know each other. And I have to credit Michelle, who you had in the show, yeah. with unifying the community. For she started yeah. with the women. She I said, do give I'm gonna, her she said, I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna put everyone. We're all gonna go to lunch. She put everyone in an email chain. She yeah, she's found great all the female DJs, and she's like, let's go have lunch. And we had lunch. And I have to tell you, some of the friendships that were born out of those lunches are lifelong friends. That's and great. having that, you know, sort of the great equalizer of having a shared. Um, profession is amazing, particularly for, you know, the women, as I said, some of us have started having families and started having, you know, being able to sort of talk about those things. And then she expanded to the men. And I know you've been in a couple DJs who lunch and, yeah. you know, just having that opportunity to kind of become a community has been incredible. Right. Even like, people really that incredible. like I knew, but I did, I didn't have a long conversation with until that day when we mm -hmm. went to lunch. And then I just saw couple of them last week and it's like i have this connection with them now and like i'm like how you been what happened during the pandemic and you know i probably would have just seen them like hey what's up you know and then yeah. walk away but now we had lunch we had a couple hours together we learned about each other i they're i know more about their life i started following them on social media yeah. i see what they do and did and have been planning so and it's, i mean it's amazing it's cool. like you know i i never would have met dynamics or you know like if people right. like i just like and you're just like and now I, we're all like, djs oh, you're so, but it's in so different cool like it's so you know and worlds, we have yeah. yeah and like i can't imagine where we would have played together we actually played together at a food drive oh. over covid randomly oh, that's cool. he like showed up i was like oh, hey oh, what's going there on you go. <laughs> uh yeah but i you know you you I think that d DJing, um, you know, and I said before that it's not a solo sport, but in many respects, it's a solo sport for us as artists. Like, yeah. you, you're not always on a lineup with 50 other DJs. In fact, that it is very rare. That I'm doing one of those in a couple weeks for Visions. We're playing with Peanut Butter Wool, like a bunch of people. Oh, um, cool. Filoni's London. It's going to be groovy. Um, but... Uh, Todd Edwards, you know him, so good. Yeah, He's such yeah. A good it looks come. cool. I saw it's the flyer. Cool. I would love um, to. If I know. I'm I, here, I have to like share come. it. But anyway, so you know, sometimes it's like a bunch of DJs, but usually it's you, maybe an opener, right? Maybe a bigger DJ, maybe yeah. you're opening for whoever. But like you know, it's not usually like everybody, and we all work the same nights. So yeah. to actually have someone sort of conscientiously put us together in a room was very fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, that's great. No, that night looks good. I wanna. Oh, you should come. I want to check it I out. I don't know when I'm this here. is going to press. I like it. I'm like promoting my like parties. <laughs> oh, good. I mean that that'll be. Uh, I like it's, it's March 11th. Parties. I saw the flyer. March it is 11th. March 11th. Yeah. At Clifton's. <laughs> Clifton's. Clifton's is so fun too. Like, I don't think I've been. <gasps> I gotta come. Really, so. it's got like a giant tree in the middle. It's where like Bradbury wrote his books. It's so groovy. Oh my god! Oh, you right. have to You're come. telling me about all the cool things that I don't know about in my I, own yeah, city. I do lots of weird shit. March but you 11th. Go to, you oh, I'm here. I'm coming back from Vegas that night. You should go to Clifton's one day. It's Clifton's cafeteria. Go during the day with your kid because they have like all this. Um, what's it called when you? Where stuff, is it? It's in downtown. Uh, what's what's that called? What when you stuff what? Sorry, dead animals. Oh, uh, taxidermy. Taxidermy. They have all this like taxidermy stuff everywhere, and okay. like, weird shit everywhere you turn. There's like tiny little kitschy. Victoria used to do a residency there up on the top okay. floor in what's called the Tiki Lounge. Yeah, and it, the DJ booth is inside a boat, like an actual boat. That's amazing. Like it's like a boat in the middle of the room, and you like get in the boat and you like DJ. Wow, that's a wild spot. That's it's crazy. really cool. Okay. You I, should go I during the day with your family and like see it because that's, it's like a kid place. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. For sure. Kid place, but also nighttime. For All right. I'm going to check it out. Um, well, yes. I mean, we are, we are going to get out of here pretty soon, but <laughs> there are so many <laughs> things we didn't make, cover. We're not going to make it to electric field. We're going to be yeah, like. Yeah. We're going to be here until the party. <laughs>
Um, <laughs> gonna, I gotta go change. I'm wearing like a yeah. crazy outfit tonight. You're gonna no, see I mean, me that could work. What you're gonna turn into uh, MGMT 2010? No, I'm wearing like a disco. Outfit. I'm wearing like a disco outfit because I'm going to this, Miles and Ellie are doing a disco party. Oh yeah. I'm not gonna be dressed for electric feel. I'm gonna. Stand Where's the out. disco? Where's the disco thing? Or grand, secret. Grand oh, that's the grandmaster. But this oh, isn't coming out today, saying. so I can talk about it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's okay. No, I was looking. <laughs> I, w- I want it. I'm off t- tomorrow night, and I'm never off Saturdays. And so I told my wife, I'm like, let's, like, go out. Like, we had COVID. Aww. Let's, like, go to a comedy show and go to dinner. So I'm looking up everywhere to eat, and everywhere is completely booked up. And I'm like, let's go to that horse's spot at Mother Did Wolf. Did you get a table of horses? No, it's all full. So I wanted like, a table of horses for my birthday, and I went and looked, and they were, like, March 27th. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I have connections <laughs> in the restaurant world, so I was like, okay, should I try to use it? But I'm like, I, I don't care that much. I'm going I, to Gigi's tomorrow. Have you been yet? No. What's I'm, I'm going to Gigi's. But I, they have us on the patio, and so I was like, I have a friend who knows the owner, and I was like, can you okay. maybe see if we could like not be <laughs> Yeah, outside? after we finish, I'm going to like try to finagle some sort of like reservation somewhere cool. But um, yeah. I looked up... Uh, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. But I was, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 that I looked up the best new restaurants and I saw um, the people from EP and LP opened a new place called Grandmaster Recordings. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell is this? Is this a record shop? And then I looked and it was like a three story thing oh, and had um, a recording studio vibe or like based on it. And I read all about it and I was like, I need to go to this place. But it said it was a restaurant mostly, right? Is that what it is? I was confused. I, you know, full disclosure, I've never been. Okay, well, so tomorrow, let me tonight. know. No, tonight. Maybe I'll, I'll go you know. tonight. <laughs> yeah, you can come with me. Um, oh, yeah, you think I go? I've already overcommitted now with well, Zen at Avalon Sunset. And, oh, yeah, I'm not going to Zen's place. That's, like, far. I feel like Grandmaster's close to Avalon, so I might even, like, walk, except for... Maybe I will go with you if that's <laughs> cool, and then I'll end up at Zen's, maybe, or, or I'll just hit him and be like, couldn't make it. you got to go to Zen's late. Yeah, that's my end of the <laughs> night. That's kind of on the way back, and then I go to the valley from over the hill. It's like fun. Um, I know. I played there on Sue. I did their Super Bowl Sunday party at the edition, and I oh, was nice. like, and I, um, I forgot how far it was. It's like far. Yeah, I play so hard. It's, it's West Hollywood, Beverly yeah. Hills. It's close to where we are now. Where I'm like an East Side girl, so for me, right. I'm in the valley yeah. now, so I'm like anywhere. I just it's 20 minutes. You know, no, it's good LA for me. Thing. I do downtown a lot, and then you know, right. What, um, okay, so maybe I'll see you tonight at all those places. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, people really should look you up to see how many incredible things you do and you've done, you know, because we talked about all the gigs you do. You're one of the go-to people for all of the top events. Um, you also are a music director, which I think some people might not even know the difference. Um, but, you know, you're a music director for a lot of events for... Um, I do, well, I music direct. Uh, award shows. Award shows. So and uh, some specific ones I've seen you do is like a yeah. Like I do a lot of women and entertainment. I do a lot of the, wi- lot of the or, women okay. focused ones. Yeah. Uh, again, Questlove gets the Oscars, but I uh, yeah. yeah. But again, the careers <laughs> the careers I aspire to. I think it's yeah. good to have you're goals. on your way. Yeah, it's good to have goals. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But on music director award shows, like I did, you know, for instance, L uh, Power of Women. Okay, that's what and it was. I saw, yeah. you know, from a DJ perspective, there's the DJ set. Right. right, you're DJing the show. You're curating the music. You're picking yeah. songs. You're, uh, you know, in my case, I edit music, so right. I do, you know, whatever I need. Um, walk on, walk off. Sometimes I'll compose something if it need if I need something that can be yeah. televised. Um, and then I also do, you know, part of that show is, for instance, I do Voice of God. So like I introduced Angelina Jolie. Oh wow! Right, okay. or like I. 
yeah, it's sort of this trifecta of, you know, these three things, which are right. interesting um, yeah. to me and fulfilling because I really do enjoy the curation part of music. Right. Like I love to DJ, but I also think, you know, when you sort of get to work sort of top down and yeah. infuse an event with your personal taste and style, like it's right. such a, it's such an incredible opportunity and I really love music directing. That's so cool. It's fun. I think that's cool for people just to know about, you know, that, that's something you I can do. No, no, no. We're good. <laughs> it, it, we, we, uh, you'll see. <laughs> we got, we got tricks. It. I guess that's it. Um, Show's over. Bye. <laughs> no, no. I think it's cool. You know that that people know that you can do go into the music direction, go into the composing. You know, because you do that for stuff, um, as well as just you know everything. It's like so. I do remixes and edits, and yeah. I you know, and I want to encourage your listeners who are newer DJs to diversify their portfolio. Yeah, because I think that That's you know I people people, to people hear all the time. Like you, you know, DJing is is enough. Yeah, and I don't want anyone who is doing well. It used to, to be enough. Not, well, <laughs> DJing is enough. Yeah. But if you, you know, if you love music as much as you must to make a living at it, yeah. um, you know, sort of learning how to apply it in different ways. I think making edits, particularly for someone like me, because I, I'm all, I'm part of all of the, you know, um, DJ libraries, right? Like I, right. I get all the stuff, but the music that I play or like the music that I like is there's no edits. No. I actually, you know what I should do? We should, well, if they listen to this, we should pitch DJ City on having me do edits for them because I would do the songs that they're missing because they really, there's a deficit as far as music right. that they really hit like a lot of popular music. And I think yeah. that's great. But I also think there's a lot of indie. There's a lot of stuff that's sort of more obscure that could be really interesting. They should right. have me do like an obscure like edits section. Definitely. As well as like how Beat Source has these curated playlists and mm -hmm. like, you can trans like the ones that you made for your dig project. You could transfer yeah. those over into um, Beat Source, and then some of those, like they have teams of editors now that are making edits of everything from Motown music till to like the Jack Harlow song that just came mm -hmm. out. So um, I think there's not much from our world. I've I talk to them about, about making some playlists like that and you already have so many playlists so i think that's a really good idea and, I, I and just, a lot of yeah. people ask me like what do you play or, or what would we because you know, here's do? the thing there's the music that you you know play out and every set needs yeah. to be infused with accessible music and i yeah. say accessible i i am always really reticent to say popular like right. pop music because accessible music can be across any genre it's music that you know there's a familiarity to it people like you have to bake that in yeah. Right. Like I got in a lot of trouble early in my career because I was like too fucking cool. Like that was my big thing. Of like course. I was like, I was yeah, like, I'm same. too cool to play pop music. I'm too cool to play. Yeah. And I, uh, and then I realized it could make like considerably more money if I swallowed my pride and had no yes. integrity and just did what <laughs> the people wanted. And I did that, but I said, you know what, I'm going to do that, but I'm still going to retain this identity because right. I think it's important. And oftentimes I'll play sets and I'll, you know, it won't work. People are like, why is she playing whatever the Smiths or <laughs> like, you yeah. know, and the, but the people who do know will know. And that's cool. And I just yes. think that you can, you know, that's part of your personal style is like infusing it with your own taste. Right. And I will say that the songs, like they're songs that I go, that I play all the time. And, you know, prior to learning how to make edits, they were hard to mix and they, you know, eight minutes long. And then, so yeah. learning how to make edits for me personally allowed me to have 
much more allowed my sets to be more unique to me and my taste. Yeah. So I want to encourage every DJ to do that because that's what's going to distinguish you as well. I agree. And also not to single out genders, like you said, with generalizing <laughs> women or men. But a conversation we had on here somewhat recently, I don't even know if we talked about it on the podcast or if it was just in the other room, was that I get edit packs, you know, from a lot of DJs. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure 99%, if not 100% of them are from men. Like, yeah. guys, I don't think I've ever got an, an edit pack from a... No, I should say I should DJ. send out edit packs. I have or it. something have like that, or like you said, making the edits for the thing. You, can, you know, if you go to my website, you can you like, can download. I have edits of Ladies First. I have edit okay. sides of Moni. I've edit, I do a lot of female focused stuff as well. Great, that's which amazing. Isn't, I, you know, I'm in edit of Ladies First because you didn't have one in fucking DJ City, and so I made <laughs> one, and then I put it up, and I just like right. threw it up there, and I was like, if anyone that's wants amazing, though. Like we need that. <laughs> that is something that's really lacking. Where the but how can you not have a song like Ladies First? Like. Literally, like, you know? I I, right? I don't know, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like every hip-hop set should have Queen Latifah and Money Love in it. Like, it doesn't... Right. Like, I, but it doesn't. Well, I think, I think, think you know, technically, you know? at this point, DJ City only has certain things that they can legally I have I on. I see this is the part where source. I'm being, like, negative. No, no, like, it's ah, not negative. I'm explaining to the people. Thank but you. that, that <laughs> beat, source, beat Source can legally have anything now because they have... they have lawyers but and they can't things. have edits but they can't they can have edits but now we can that's the everything? new thing okay so they made there's deals that have are being made and have been made that are um the uh like they make edits for beat source so and you can stream the edit through your dj software so and and a lot of the things have to have come off DJ City and all the other record pools because it, they're illegal to have them up there. So I don't know yeah. if Ladies First falls in that category, but either way, I think it's you know. Well, I did. I did a, a that's mix missing. that's posted on my IG, probably in what's the what's the IGTV one? That's a long one, right? Um, where yeah. I did like the history, the birth of hip hop. So oh, I did like okay. you know that from 1972, and then I sort of looked at historical and I think I play chronologically and I think at a lens to the women like I always do so Tessa set up this studio over COVID and I yes, went there I a couple that. times because I was like oh I should do some live stream stuff and I, I recorded um you know this birth of hip-hop video and then I this is when I was trying to figure out like what to how to sort of implement knowledge into my sets right and so I did recorded this I made all the edits recorded the set it was like I don't know short 10 minutes less and I uh put all the information like on the bottom of the screen. <laughs> I was like, so here's the flyer like for the first, where the, for the night that <laughs> hip hop was born. Here's the, the you know what I mean? Like, right. I, like I said, I'm so nerdy. And I like wanted to tell this story of like kind of the birth of hip hop. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, that was one of the many that projects dope. I did. I like that. You should watch it. It's yes. great. I mean, now that I've said it, maybe someone will go watch it and be like, but that's the thing. Like I post stuff occasionally, but I'm not very good at, um, you could show you. Sharing you know what you could do on Twitch if you ever wanted to is like just show those things and then talk to the people about it. That way you don't have to like broadcast and be on live, and you could just be chatting with them while they watch it with you. You know, it's just an idea. I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, it's a little idea. Um, you're pushing. You're really pushing me to like broaden my. <laughs> I mean, not that you need more things to do. You <laughs> seem to do uh, quite a few things while also balancing the. 
family life um, and yeah. social life and married life and all of it. So I'm busy. Yeah, it's a lot. All right, let's let's uh, get out of here. Go back to our families and get some rest uh, before we see each other tonight at these big oh. events. Um, but before we get out of here, do you have any last words for the DJs listening or any advice? Um, and as well as leaving them with like your social media and stuff, places they could find all this. Um, sure. Well, first off, thank you for having me. Yes. I always appreciate the opportunity to talk about music and DJing. And I think that, you know, you do such an elegant job of shepherding this conversation. So thank you. Thanks. Yes. Um, and then I also, uh, you know, want to encourage anyone who's listening, um, particularly those starting out to like keep at it because sometimes, uh, you know, oftentimes it can be really challenging. Yeah. And like with any industry that's freelance, um, you know, things ebb and flow. And if you love it, do it. Supplement as needed. And work hard, play hard. Yeah. Um, Great. And my social media is really easy because it's Daisy Odell across all channels. Perfect. Um, but I hope you'll, like, link it so people... Yes. If they, yeah. if they listen it's to this, the, if they listen the this description. far, yes. if you listen this far, send me a DM because I because I want to hear from you because you I really appreciate I mark. really appreciate you listening this much. Yes. Um. And then also, I want to say that I do. I'm always happy to talk to other DJs or you know people starting out. If you have any questions, don't hesitate. I'm not. I'm not um, precious. Um, right. you know, and obviously I get a lot of messages every day and, you know, but every few weeks I'll kind of go through them and respond to people. So if I don't respond yeah. right away, know that I'm not an asshole. Yes. I will eventually uh, get to you. Cause I do try to try to respond to everyone who reaches out in like a, you know, sincere way with questions. Cause yeah, I, I like to connect with people and I think yeah, that same. so many of us, uh, you know, like we said earlier, are kind of isolated. And so having this community to lean on is, is wonderful. Yeah. That's it. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, we did it. How was it? Do you, uh, <laughs> you feel good? <laughs> no. I listen. I'm going to listen back to this probably, maybe, and I'm going to feel not. so self conscious. No, I'm going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe I said that. I can't. I didn't even know what I said. Like I didn't know. All right. Well, let us know what you thought. Think everyone out there. Thank you, Daisy O'Dell, coming on the Twenty Podcast. We really appreciate you and appreciate everything you add to um the dj and music world and um thank you and i'll see you see you tonight i'll see you tonight <laughs> all right later all right thank you daisy odell for coming on the 20 podcast what a good time catching up with you learning more about you and um you know just hearing all the things you've been working on and, and just learning more about your history was so much fun. Thank you guys for listening to Beat Sorcerers. Make sure you rate and review the podcast on Apple and um, keep in touch with me at DJ Spider on Instagram. The 20 Podcast is produced by Beat Source. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider signing off. Peace. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.